Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? This is um, Alex and Allison Gray, two incredible artists that if you are not familiar with their uh, work, uh, you might want to pause and just do a quick Goo-Gim search. Uh, Incredible, incredible people. Weird in the good way. This is a very weird conversation. You know, I love that. So let's get to it, as I always say, as quickly as possible. Uh, Largo, I'm doing some live shows uh, October 19th. I'm doing a stand-up show at Largo. Uh, November 9th, I'm doing a special show called Pete is Writing a Book, where I'm going to workshop and read aloud uh, some sections of the book that I'm working on, which is about uh, God and spirituality and all that sort of stuff. It's it's a funny book, though. It should be a fun fun and funny show. And uh, December 7th is the other one. Largo-LA.com mean a lot, always means a lot that weirdos come out to that show. I do want to thank our friends at Squarespace. Squarespace. Whatever you need, you probably need a website. <laughs> I'm trying to do it NPR uh, style. Guys, you I don't know what you're up to, but you probably need a website. And Squarespace is the place to make a website quick and easy with beautiful templates. Everything's inside, meaning you don't need to install or update anything. And they got wonderful customer service to make your dream a reality. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. I also want to give a shout out to our Pete's Picks. Uh, you guys know these by now, but we do have a new Pete's Pick, which I've been now using for over a week, which is MCT oil. MCT is medium chain triglycerides. These are healthy fats that are wonderful for your body, your brain. They give you energy. And that's actually the thing that I didn't expect was there's a higher level of brain function. It's a wonderful brain food, and there's a clarity and solidity of thought, if that makes sense. I feel grounded in my brain. Uh, I put this in my tea in the morning. It doesn't require any stirring or blending. It is just a non-dairy coconut oil-based creamer. I like the vanilla flavor. You throw it in there, and you have energy, and it actually kind of curbs my appetite. As I mentioned in the first ad, we're editing Crashing right now. Really hard not to snack all day. Started taking the MCT oil in my tea. Made a huge difference. It has a positive effect on your leptin receptors, which assist in keeping you feeling full and satisfied for hours. So if you are looking for something for energy while you work out, that's not me, but energy in your life, that's me. Something that makes you feel full and healthy and good and also takes the edge off of caffeine, if that's your jam, try MCT oil made by Onnit that also makes Alpha Brain. You guys know this. Alpha Brain is a nootropic that I always, always, always have in my pocket. It's like fish food from a brain. You sprinkle it on there. It's all earth-grown ingredients. Helps with memory, concentration, focus. And for the past three years, anything that I do that involves my brain, a podcast, a stand-up show, writing a script, doing an interview, I always take a couple Alpha Brain 15 minutes before. And it gives me that edge that I need and rely on, to be honest. If you want to try the MCT oil or Alpha Brain, all you got to do is go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get, uh, is it 10% off? I don't know. 
Yeah, 10% off. <laughs> That's all you do. Go to that landing page and order away. I love both of those products. The other Pete's pick that I love and swear by that I actually just took a little bit of before I did this uh, interview for CNN, which was a lot of fun, just to keep it a little lighter, a little happier, a little quicker to laugh, a little glow, a little glow, a little happy feeling, I always take my Charlotte's Web hemp oil. You guys know this. It's non-psychoactive. That means it doesn't get you stoned. It just gives you a healthy, happy, light feeling that whenever I'm feeling a little bit grumpy or I have a headache or I'm stuck in a middle seat on an airplane, it's wonderful to know that I have Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil with me for aches and pains, for anxious situations, or just for situations where I wish I felt a little brighter and a little bit, like I said, quicker to laugh, quicker to smile, and it just takes that edge off in a wonderful way. I always drink less when I take Charlotte's Web. That's one of the things I love about it. I like the Everyday Plus or the Everyday Advanced mint chocolate flavor. It's a wonderful, wonderful product. It's changed my life. It's changed a lot of weirdos' lives. All of these Pete's Picks have, which is why they're Pete's Picks. I love hearing people that love these things. And if you want to try it, go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY for 10% off. Wonderful Pete's Picks. I hope you like them. I hope you try them. I hope they do uh, for you what they did for me. And again, I just want to say thank you to our friends at Squarespace. They are your one-stop shop if you are making a website. If you're ready to start a new business, you can make it stand out with Squarespace. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, Squarespace makes it easy to turn your ideas into a new and unique website. You can showcase your work your blog, or even publish content, sell stuff, services in just a few clicks. You customize everything from look and feel to settings and products. And you can even use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. Not to mention everything is optimized for mobile right out of the device, uh, right out of the box rather, so it looks great on every device. With over, I'm sorry, with 200 extensions to choose from, Squarespace offers a new way to buy domains. And best of all, there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. But if you do have a question, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support, which is there to help. A dream is just as great as the website that hosts it, I'm going to say. So make that dream a reality with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and use offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code WEIRD. All right, guys, hope to see you at Largo, uh, 1019, 11.9, or 12.7. In the meantime, enjoy the wonderfully weird conversation with two of my new friends, Alex and Allison Gray. Val's been here. She's going to say it. Get into it. Now, Brody, you growl. Nope. He was growling. <laughs> Get into it. <laughs> you want to wait? Say ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter. <laughs> and I usually like one of you to my left. Okay. Please or get would in you there. Now, oh. No, I like that. I like it like this. Okay. It's lovely to see you. Great to see you too. Wonderful to meet you. I was, uh, are we rolling? Yes. Okay. I I was at your house. <laughs> That's I a funny thing I to say. You. Is that right? Yeah. A couple oh, of your sure fans. I did. How could I n- not recognize you? <laughs> I don't know. I was honestly very curious if I would blend in. Not that I'm that famous, but what our crossover of fans are, because you guys had hundreds of your fans there. I was like, I Where wonder. Was it? Where were it was at your at Entheon. At Entheon. Yeah. Was then, it as it Cosm? Was it in the big house? Cosm was closed. I Cosm's went closed. to see Cosm. 
This is this is. An, I didn't bring you here to register a complaint. By the way, I was like, but you're working on the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, which is how I was introduced to both of your works. I mean, your collig- What what is what what do we call the language? My secret writing. Yeah. Your secret writing. Yeah, well, that's yeah. not a fancy word. That's just how people talk. Your, fa- secret, your writing. secret writing. <laughs> I was looking for that, like some sort of mystical sounding word. That's where it, it came to me, like over forty years ago, forty-five years ago. What do you mean that it came to you? Well, I was, uh, you know, I had read the book "Be Here Now" by Ram Dass. Wow, and, I've never had a guest bring up Ram Dass before. And that was that was very <laughs> very popular in 1971. Yeah. So I was 20, and I had been doing LSD for three years. Uh, you just, you know, you, you know, as they say, recreationally. But I, I think that it's all very transformative, no matter sure. how you're doing. You know, climbing mountains and going bicycle riding with my friends and dancing to Led Zeppelin and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then I read Be Here Now and Ram Dass How did it come into your life? It was one of the most popular books at the time. I'm just telling you, my three friends, mm. we had all read it. And we all were curious about the thing that he said about seeing the white light. Mm. And seeing the white light, he recommended, rather than going bicycle riding and dancing to Led Zeppelin, he recommended uh, going into a dark room, turning on maybe some spiritual music or something uplifting, Mm. and just going inside. So the three of us decided to do that in my little room in Cambridge. But and you, I saw the Cambridge that's when, Yes, where I went to school in Boston. I went to Boston. Alex and I met in art school in Boston, yes. Which one? The medical school. Uh, <laughs> Harvard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't meet I you was, there, though. No. You were I, cutting up dead people. Yeah, that was part <laughs> of it. And uh, I... I met Allison at art school, and uh, she was one of the few people who would talk to me, actually, because <laughs> I, for some reason, following a dream, I shaved half my hair off. I remember uh, early in the year, and well, all- what was that about? I'm going to well, just keep interrupting because we're not going to forget that we're talking about how you guys met, but we might forget to talk about why you shaved half your head. Okay, well. <laughs> I'm, you know, look, it, I was following a dream, which was basically, I was dreaming one night. I opened I up, a, I opened up a trash can lid and I looked inside and I saw like a body, but it was mine. And it was kind of head down, but you could see the head. And it was my head with my hair half shaved. <laughs> And I was looking up at me from the trash can. This is very Skywalker. It was it was <laughs> a total to, moment went. like that. Like, what the fuck? Yes. And I woke up, you know, but I couldn't get it out of my head. Were you good at remembering your dreams or was it no. unusual that you remember? Very unusual, actually. So you, you remembered know. this dream. Yeah. And, and this is, yeah. I kept imagining with the hair half shaved. and But I was reading about... Uh, Robert Ornstein's recent research into the intuitive and rational hemispheres of the brain Mm. and that they had actually found some distinction between the hemispheres. I found that interesting. And so I shaved it, split. Which side got the hair? 
Intuitive or yes, <laughs> intuitive. Yes, yes. <laughs> I got the hair. And the rational was totally, you know, shame because that's very rational. Totally, it is very rational. Yeah. Just be like, I don't need this. This serves uh, no purpose. Skinhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. you look like a half a skinhead. Yeah. Now, well, you know, it, what happened was then. Now I have half is like grayer. Is that then right? It, yes, because you separated the half two. Half a year, I was half shaved. <laughs> what about the pubes? Say straight down the middle. I, you know, I didn't <laughs> do it. You know, I didn't go all the way. Nobody that would be did so that funny. In this case, I don't think. But it, are, didn't that start because you're fast? I, I read this book, which I brought because I was going to read it in the car, but then I hit so much traffic. I've read it before, but I was yeah. going to brush up. Yeah. But so forgive me if I'm misremembering. But it seemed to me that you were very interested. Even the gray was like black yeah. and white being yeah. mixed. Totally. Your last name isn't gray. No, it wasn't. Well, his name is very legally gray. No, very. Since 1977, (laughs) when he took it to court and changed his name to because because of an experience he had in my apartment. (laughs) Then we play music. It was the first uh, time that uh, I took acid. Yeah, together. No. Well, well yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because we weren't together. It was my party, and he offered it to me, so I did do the same acid. Wait, why did, did you have it? You had it, but you hadn't done it. You had done it, Allison? I had been doing acid yeah, since, I was said, 17, since I was 17, and I met Alex when I was 23. So you've been So somewhere years. in the middle, yeah. when I was 20, I, I had the secret writing come into my life, That's and right. I had this experience of the divine. Because you took LSD, because you read B. Well, doing LSD at the same time as having the intention to see the white light, mm. being in a set mindset and setting that was conducive to seeing the white light. And this is what uh, <clears throat> all the research about the mystical experience that's going on with psychedelic science right now is, is, is revealing, is exactly what Ramdas sort of just suggested, and we did, that me and my friends. Meaning having the intention. The intention is number one. So the, so the mystical that's... experience study that Johns Hopkins did and that, uh, and that they did at Harvard, you know, that, that corroborate each other, say that if you have the intention to have a mystical experience and you have your experience with the right mindset and setting, that means you go and you lie down and you listen to sacred music and you have this internal experience, not right. like partying. You don't take in the back of a cab on the way to a party. Right, right. <laughs> or trying to walk over to the man, you know, in the middle of, you know, uh, of, of of the playa, you know, or something like that, which we just did. Wait, so, the man? Oh, the burning... Burning man, yeah. You're going. You're on your way from your trailer over nine miles over to see the, the man while meant, he's going to burn, you yeah. know. So, you you know, that's, know that's, not, that's not the mystical experience. I, isn't that what most wow. people... I've never been to Burning Man. Don't most people... We just came from there. I know. I, I'm you so know. honored that you yeah, took time to come. I, I know, can't imagine... What Perfect. LA must look like having come from that. Fabulous. Really? Oh. Why? Because of running water? That, that, that shower was you know, paradise, really. It really was. It's true. But I mean, I look around and I'm not coming from Burning Man and I look at L- uh, LA and I'm like, oh, wow, it's a, it's a bit much. Isn't it? I, I mean, there's just so much going on. We love LA. I love it too. But let me but tell you something honest, else. It's a bit we much. love Burning Man. We, we're going to be back next year, and we were there last year, so we don't go every year, but uh, we don't. We do love it, don't we? Absolutely. Well, Burning Man is a kind of a mecca for freaks, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's also a uh, creative explosion. It's right. like the artists who are really not connected necessarily with any cultural institutions. They're completely free. Mm. They're not corporately driven. These are all works of of art from mm. the heart. 
of just the for artist, their own sake for the right. for the pure sake of the divine imagination uh, coming out with something novel and new yeah. and so to my mind this is the new planetary religion is creativity well i was going to ask I, I was very eager to talk to you guys because as i'm in the process of doing a tv show which is very creative but there also is a business element to it it's very appealing to me to look at you guys seeing you forge your own way you certainly you're commercially successful as well but you seem to have done that in a way that's just completely off the map i I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, well you tell me because I, I think about it sometimes I, I would talk to people when we were shooting the show and i was like if you had a hundred billion dollars there's a lot of downtime on this episode you have a hundred billion dollars what would you do almost everybody said travel and i was like i think that's a bad answer <laughs> I don't mean to put it down, but Fix I was like... the environment. <laughs> that's <laughs> asshole. I guess that's a better answer. But I meant if you're going to selfishly use it. I, I don't know. For me, creating things, bringing them into existence, feels like may, very close to the meaning of life. And I was wondering what you felt about that, because it seems to be what I just what wanted to like. put in... <laughs> Quickly, and, and I hope you have an you have answer this, too. But yeah. I wanted just to say that it was our, you know, we've been together since 1975, <clears throat> nonstop. Holy God. Monogamous and all, and yeah. loving every minute of it. And let me just say, <laughs> it was our early commitment that we weren't going to travel. I mean, mm. when we got together, I was 23 and Alex was 21, mm. and we were not going to travel. The, the time, the primo time that everybody wants to travel right now but we were not going to travel unless work took us there that was kind of like our thing so work started to take us places uh you know short distances throughout the u.s and canada to perform Mm -hmm. when we were uh in the 70s and, and early 80s and then um we when were performance we're artists. Performance artists together. <laughs> Are you really? Oh yeah, we no, went to all that. over the U.S. and 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 did in many you know many installations. I was an installation artist at the museum. Can you school. tell me about some of them? Because I'm very. I, I, I would like to this tell you that doesn't that, have all of them. Well, I, I'd like to tell you that it has a lot of them. You yeah. would you would shave your head and right. were you involved in the, these? Because I mean, you met okay. pretty young. When we, Alex met, Alex and I met in a class called conceptual mixed media. Uh-huh. So that's where we met, and that is really where we have always lived in that sense as far as a genre of art. Conceptual meaning that the content, the subject, is really the p- primary thing, not what it's made of, not the materials that it's made of as its prime. It's not a, an, a pleasing array of, of shapes and colors that we're really interested in, although I love shapes and colors. You know you know my work. Mm-hmm. but. But it's really the the uh, the central message or what the subject is is more important. And then mixed media, which means anything you want, like life is art, and that's how Alex and I came together to create the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors Cosm as a like you were about to say, kind of a a business which turned into a church mm. and uh, and and serves a you know a global community. And uh, has a little spot. I mean, we really like staying in one place because we can paint, and we love to paint. So mm-hmm. we have a studio, and we can paint. We've learned to paint everywhere, though. We've learned to paint on the road. So this, thus, live painting. I don't want to go to the party unless I'm painting. <laughs> so let's. Is that let's funny? Paint. Is art a salve for you? Because most comedians I know don't like going to the party. It's like you want to be invited to the party, but you don't actually. You want to want give to go the to party. The- <laughs> yeah, you want to give the Excuse party. Excuse me, but you do. You just, I, you know. And I was giving the party when I met Alex. And right? he gave you. And LSD. I was the chairman of my prom. So there you go. <laughs> well, you were twenty, and you were twenty-three. 
And you're talking about Burning I'm Man. 21. 21, I'm 21 excuse me. Yeah. I get excited when I look at your work, Alex, your young work, because you were. What the heck is going on here? Right. Let's get weird. I think I, think I was questioning uh, the nature of our society. And all the assumptions. Think, yeah. With a, uh, you know, kind of a philosopher's distance, mm. you know. And, and that you, can be off-putting to people. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> that it wasn't my uh, real desire at that time to, you know, please people, but to figure out what the fuck was going on, and that really. Was, it was uncomfortable for you to not know what was going on? I mean, it's... <laughs> Are you kidding? Yes, of course. You but know, most- I think that that's the, the most... Uh, um, befuddling thing for all of us. But don't you think most, in my experience, wouldn't you say most people put it aside and we eat a sandwich instead? Perhaps. <laughs> but, but, but on some level, we make some uh, general worldview statement. And right. I think that at the same time, especially today, we have to keep our you know, minds open to knowing that we don't know Mm. and perhaps we can't know and that there are many great mysteries that surround us Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly on the social political and world level Mm -hmm. there are many questions that will probably remain unanswered (laughs) and uh, and there are many people invested in keeping those questions unanswered you think so people want to keep us in the oh yes in In the the dark it sounds very Terrence McKenna to me, who I who I love very much, and he's like, they don't want you to know. No, nobody wants you. No, to know. they are not your friend, <laughs> and uh, they do not want you to know. Well, and also George and Carlin, he's like, you're not in the group. They don't want you in the group. They're over there. We're in the death grip of the archons, as the Gnostics would say. <laughs> the death that, grip of the archons? Yeah. I don't know those references. Well, <laughs> it's the it's the shadowy and nefarious forces uh, that that somehow operate. Uh, through compromised morality. Okay. And uh, if you're ethically completely compromised, then it operates uh, quite fluidly. Through you? Through you. <laughs> and, uh, we haven't had a weird one in a while. I, yeah. I mean that as a compliment. The show's called You Made It Weird. I'm always trying to veer it towards the weird. You bring up Ram Dass in the first 30 seconds. Well, he's not weird. Well, Ram I mean Dass weird is, is the highest compliment. You no, know, weird. Wonderfully weird. I love that about so many of my friends. I mean, really, well, that's what I found about Alex. He was the most interesting person. Well, you were the only one that, you joked that she was willing to talk to you. So you're, you're studying cadavers, obsessed with death from a young age. He didn't start studying cadavers until we were together. Is that right? Oh, no. Was that your idea? Well, ways ways (laughs) afterwards. But no, it wasn't so much my idea. He he was working at Harvard (laughs) Medical School, not not studying. He was studying while he was working. Alex and I both always had jobs where we learned. That was something that I recommend to your, your audi- young audience. You know, when you get a job, do something that, you know, you, I learned from waitressing, honestly, I tell you. Service is very important, but make sure you're learning. Something or you move can on. steal from while you're well, there. Well, I wasn't going to say that. I mean, like I for mean, instance, steal, at, at Harvard knowledge. Medical School. No, yes, no, yes. Money. I yes, mean, I see what you You were working with cadavers. That yes. wasn't your job to study them. But my, you, you were a waitress and it wasn't your job to study service. My true interest was... Uh, the subject of my art, which I felt at that time was consciousness. And 
It's funny. It's such it still an in- mm-hmm. <laughs> When you say it still is, it seems like it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, found it early. That's a wonderful thing. No, but thing. when we Absolutely. were together before we, before LSD, for mm. Alex, mm. our work was very much in the subject of the self. Wouldn't you say, Alex? Well, the self the and self consciousness. Is the too. self is the uh, receptacle. For consciousness, the self is how we experience consciousness. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the, I, it, it's the lens through which we view. Well, isn't that funny? Because everybody says when you're young, they're like, the meaning of life is figuring out who you are. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that meant like, well, I'm a Red Sox fan and I'm a smoker and I like <laughs> turkey sandwiches and like I thought it was <laughs> assembling like a, a matrix of my ego and my preferences and my personality. And now I'm like, no, it's such a more interesting question. It's like, no, who is figuring out right. who it is? Right. You I know. You, now you get it. I know you guys yeah. know. So yeah. you went from the self going my inner exploration into broadening that later in your career. I think that's the natural development, you know, from the agree. from the kind of embryo and embryonic understanding of oneself, you know, to uh, as the uh, <laughs> Quran says, to know oneself is to know Allah. Mm. So when we know ourselves on the deepest level, we get in contact with the infinite. And it, and it hooks you because it is you. Yes. You know what I mean? It puts you Ultimately. in this package and you go, well, I'm stuck in here. And then you're kind yes. of, you're on the hook. But you're also <laughs> free when you contact uh, the realms of the divine because you note that you are a temporary visitor inside of this wonderful, spectacular gift yeah. of a body mm. and the gift of the universe. Mm. And the beautiful environment that you get to experience, you know, that unfolds in front of you, the experience of time, all of these things are such tremendous treasures that we don't appreciate Mm. from day to day. This is the gift, you know, Mm. and to be able to be back in contact with the, the one that is all, the one that is the infinite one. And that resolves your uh, sense of isolation mm. in the world and, and your sense of alienation because you're always actually part of it. It's only your perception and your imagination that you need to clean up. Exactly, yeah. that, that prevents you from, from understanding it. Or, so you see it as a gift, not as a trap or a challenge or some mire that we're no. stuck in. I see. You know, as a young man, didn't you feel the frustration of what the fuck? And now you're totally. like, no, this is the game, and it's I like it. Let me share a vision with you, please. Once <laughs> I had a vision uh, that was supposed to be of my own creative spirit, and snap, God gave me a picture of Sisyphus, mm. and there it was in silhouette, you know, up like rolling Disney, like you know, just like. <laughs> Shadow, you know, like silhouette up yeah. the hill, you know. Oh, this. Oh, thanks, God. Yeah, right. Thanks. I. Yeah. For those then listening, I, this is the guy that has to push the boulder up the boulder. Push the boulder up the, up the hill, and then it goes down yeah. again. Yeah, and yeah. then you have to go back and push it up again, and then it goes that down again. Like life. So <laughs> there you go. So I came in for a close up on Sisyphus's face, and he was smiling. Hmm was the smile of Sisyphus. He had broken the spell, the curse, because he dug his rock. 
<laughs> he was into it. You know, it was like, yeah, it's my fucking rock. And that turned for you. You have the smile of Sisyphus now. Because I got to yeah. tell you, I spent a lot of time in that sort of... I'm stuck in this. I'm yeah. stuck in here, and it, and it can frustrate me because I. Yeah, t- but let me say one thing too. It, but creative, then it goes away. Creative discontent, though, is your friend. It is your. It is the force that mm. moves artists forward. Mm. Creativity is moved forward by discontent. It's like if you are just contented with what you were doing, mm. you wouldn't have a future. You'd just like be a laughing stock. You're just like, <laughs> like, come on. Like, where are you going with this? There's right. always that. There's always that. So I think that it is a friend and you just have to embrace it. Hmm. That's part of life, isn't it? You- I mean, doesn't, doesn't the first noble truth say life is suffering? Yes. So just like enjoy the ride. So it gives you know? it the electricity, the ups and the downs. That's give right. it the sex, right. the back and the forth. Oh, yeah, but, so full so, of ups and downs. But you do have both forces because you can, it, it, in order to really uh, uh, grip the beauty of the evolutionary creative process, then you appreciate. The gift, mm. you know, you have to fully embrace and appreciate, and you know, like suck the nectar out of that aesthetic wait, wait. moment of every moment of now. Right. And so, really, you know, you there is great satisfaction in that. But then, as you say, you know, there is always this: how can how can I move things forward in my life, and what positive contribution can I make to this evolutionary wave? Mm. What, you know, so that's the creative question, Mark. You know, always in you is what's driving you, this creative discontent and the question. Is mark. that why the smile? Because you know even the suffering is kind of making more paint for you. Do you How can that? I do it better? How yeah. can I make it even more, you know, uh, aesthetically, like, attractive to others and, 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 and deliver the inner message, an authentic message that makes people cry, mm. that makes people really touched, that, that maybe even changes things? Like, think of great works of art that actually do change things. Mm. I mean, we, we've traveled the world. We've been so fortunate to For see always invited and always sponsored <laughs> this is something that we do we, we we didn't go on a honeymoon but we are always sponsored but we go to these wonderful sacred sites where communities came together in love in some sort of central core of love mm. to build something together because it's this force that makes communities want to make something mm. You know, make evidence of themselves. You know what I'm saying? So you go to like Chartres Cathedral where a thousand years ago they decided to create one of the first cathedrals in Europe to house the garment that Mary wore when she birthed Jesus. They'd been carrying it around and it made its way to Paris and they wanted to find a sacred site and or build a sacred site for it. So they went and they found a sacred site. It was a Druid site. But in any case, all over the world, it's mm. like this. Mm. Sacred spaces are built by communities that uh, agree in love mm. somehow. They're somehow their core is spiritual. But the striving for perfection doesn't necessarily help me smile like Sisyphus. <laughs> <laughs> Going like I could do it better. Uh-huh. I could make it funnier. I'm just talking about my own thing. I could make it cleaner. I could make it more 
inspiring. That is good, but you isn't I that hit a what wall makes you so good? <laughs> isn't that what makes you so good, though? You're, I'm not you're, you're, sh- you're discerning and you're uncompromising. See, I see this about. Well, of course, I, I'm Alex's biggest fan, so I see it about Alex's work, mm. uncompromising. And to, this, to the degree that, you know, if you're looking at the piece and you've worked on it for a half a year and a big chunk of it needs to be whited out and done over again, he does it. Mm. So I, I say that to artists, too. It's just being uncompromising. It's, yeah. So you find comfort in that integrity? It's like you give yourself stricter rules to the game and that helps you play it? More beautiful. Well, you want to you want to leave to the world the most uh, profound that you can. You know, I mean, that's just kind of the goal. I mean, when we in 1976, when we had a simultaneous vision uh, on LSD, we changed the focus of our work. I think, for me anyway, it was from you know devoted to the self to devoted to the message of the inner world of the force of the divine. Mm. You know, the, the images that we had inside that referenced to the best of our artistic ability, the divine. Mm. So uh, I think that's the visionary art movement. That really characterizes where, where the visionary art movement has gone. Yeah. I was actually thinking about it because you paint a lot of eyes. When I was at, your, when I was at Entheon, you were painting a hand that had eyes on it. And as someone, I, I haven't... Done extensive. I, I guess I should say I haven't done as many psychedelics as I'd like to, ah. but, I, but I have done a, a, a good number of them. And whenever I do them, of course, you see a lot of eyes, which I think is very interesting that the world has this vocabulary. And then you, Alex, when you're painting, you have a vocabulary. You're like, well, this is kind of what I see in my visions or my trips or whatever. But then I was like, I wonder if it is ever frustrated because I was like, you paint so many eyes. I wonder if it's ever like. I got to show this guy eyes again because it's the only thing he'll understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's only so many ways you can say the tree is seeing everything. Yes. Everything yes. is okay. I'll make this rock breathe. There's right. only so many right. tricks up its sleeve. Not that they're tricks, but they. Yeah. There's only there's a vocabulary that we understand because there's of our psychology. Because that's what there is. There's because there's uh, because we're working with uh, as Allison calls it secret languages symbolism is a secret language that speaks to us in our dreams mm-hmm. and so when we see a rock open its eyes and wink at us it's kind of saying i'm conscious mm-hmm. like you are i see that you see me and i see you Mm-hmm. So when the world becomes conscious of us and we recognize or project that consciousness upon the world, we are seeing the truth, but seeing another layer of the truth that we don't normally uh, take notice of. Mm-hmm. These are uh, depth symbols like the union archetypes that key us really actually back into a true alignment right. with uh, – Re- the divine reality, right. you know, that, and not the uh, side show that's going on in the media. Right. It is interesting, though, that there are these certain colors in the palette that it has to Absolutely. paint with. For some reason, well, this is we the, dream similar things, we trip yes, similar yes, things, yes. because well, we're this, all soaking in this. Go, please. This is the primary reason that we say that uh, visionary art is a new kind of sacred art. 
because around the world now, you know, not that we, uh, any of us really understood it, but when we experienced these higher states on psychedelics or meditations, uh, they can come in many kinds of ways, but the mystical experience itself, quite often a visionary experience. And so when people recount these archetypal symbolic moments, then share them, uh, they're trying to bring forward their own uh, soul's healing, you know, kind of in the light of uh, their own divinity when they realized that they were part of the infinite and that it was love mm. itself mm. And, and an infinite love that was indescribable except here's a picture that, you know, it's like a, it's like a Polaroid of the Niagara Falls. Right. You know, how does it... Right. Well, uh, it was not exactly like this, but... Is, you that, know, is that frustrating for you ever because... No, what's beautiful, (laughs) what's the smile of Sisyphus in it, is that planetarily, whoever's been to Niagara recognizes the fucking Polaroid. Isn't that funny? Yes! yes. They see the, the, the infinite sluicing through. Right. The even Isn't the, that funny? Yeah! Isn't that all art? You're trying to get a laugh, you're trying to play music, you're trying to put on a play, or you're trying to have someone see a picture or something, and you're trying to remind them of some other place that we've... Been? All been. But, but like, <laughs> all are. And all are. Can, can I yes, just say Yes, but we've lost that, touch because we yes. have the wrong kind of radios, I guess. There, there are form <laughs> constants. Tuning. Wrong tuning. Yeah. There are form constants that have been documented, though, like what you're saying. There are mm. certain things that, you know, if you're going to talk about visual things, because, of course, there's psychedelic music and theater and all that mm-hmm. and dance and mm-hmm. all that. But if you're talking about, you know, the visual uh, representation of the psychedelic experience, there are some uh, things that keep coming up right and so uh the eyes i think like you were saying i personally um saw secret writing mm. and, well, back to writing, and which found, is great. well and found that many other and later way way later found out that many other people exactly yeah in, in fact you know i'm yeah. not just saying yeah. this when i've stared yeah. at the sky on mushrooms or something you mm-hmm. see it's almost like written in gold, like with mm-hmm. a very, very fine brush maybe you've even okay but, but what behind the sky some sort of but what does it say? Thing. I don't know what it says. Okay. Oh, but what do you think? <laughs> but what do you think? It, it what says? do you imagine it? It it's meaning. Uh, what's its meaning? It looks like the inside of a watch, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you look behind the face of a watch, it looks like all the gears and stuff, but it's in some sort of script. It's in a script. But I guess mm-hmm. if you're saying if I imagine what it means, I might be close because What I'm, would it mean? There Wait, we just Well, how about this? <laughs> there is what, what does it mean? There else? is divine intelligence. Mm-hmm communicating with us. Mm. We recognize it as communication Mm -hmm. from a higher dimension. It's a higher dimensional intelligence reaching us Mm -hmm. on an archetypal level. It's like that Einstein quote about we're children in a library filled with books with writing we don't understand and we can't read it, but we know something wrote it. That's what he felt the universe was. There you go. (laughs) That's how I would feel looking at this guy when I would see that. Well, I just wanted to say there's this book, Xeno Linguistics, Psychedelics and Language. And so I I realized only a few years ago that I was not alone and that... uh, So you would write this down and people would recognize it. I didn't write it. I wrote the foreword for the book, but it was written by a woman named Diana Slattery who had been collecting... 
uh, people's uh, stories about seeing and hearing psych- uh, a secret language. So this is where you guys have found your bliss and your juice is going into these altered states w- through psychedelics or other means mm. and trying to fly the kite into the black hole and then yank it back. And mm. go, did you? Did any of you see this? Totally. Because that really is infinitely interesting. Sometimes mm-hmm. it occurs to me, I'm like, why don't I do talk about Ramdas when Ramdas mm-hmm. discovered LSD? He then did it every Saturday night oh. for years. Uh-huh. <laughs> he just was like. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And if I'm going to do psychedelics, I'm like, well, i got to make sure I have a free day on either end. Like, I'm very oh, particular yeah. about Oh, I that. think that's set in setting. <laughs> that's very, that's very wise. That's what that's I try to do. That's the way to have the best experience is to plan. It is a journey. So, like, if you it were going to go on a journey, what would you do? You'd bring, like, your favorite knacky and, you know, and a little <laughs> bottle of water. You know, you put on some good music. I mean, treat yourself. Right. I, but I, I guess I wonder would... why I don't do it constantly. Because it oh. is inarguably kind of the most interesting thing. But yet I do because have Less is more. Less is more. <laughs> Less is more, really. I mean, and especially, of course, at our age, too. When we were young, we, we, we of course, did a lot more. But now, it, it, each each episode is so important. Mm. You just want it to be important. Well, you're talking about who am I and identity and then that becoming consciousness. And a lot of people – I actually haven't taken LSD. I've taken microdoses of LSD, but, uh-huh. which was wonderful. How, I, did, how did it go? It was so heart-opening. And right. I was I just had this wonderful conversation with this person and like everything they were saying just felt – you know that feeling where you're like, wow, you're just really ringing my bell right now? And we're, we weren't really saying anything that profound. Not like when you're – stoned or whatever, the stereotype of being stoned and we weren't, if you were listening, you would have thought it was a beautiful conversation even if you were sober. But it was just the feeling of appreciation. That's when I'm smiling Sisyphus, yes, Sisyphus, yes. is I'm like, oh, it's yeah. all good. Exactly. <laughs> you're, in, you're in touch with the love. That's it. I love my rock. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. could you love your rock? You have a job. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's your job. It's yeah. nobody else's job. It's just yours. Right. I mean, if we could each own our job and we could, we could transform you you know, Best Buy. You know, you could you could you could transform every community that you're in if you feel that about your job. Right, but it's so, hard to keep your heart open. I, I think you get caught up in other trips. You're like, I work at Best Buy, and I should really I'd be doing something else, be somewhere else. Creative so. discontent, baby. Exactly. Moving on, moving, looking for the next thing. But if can those emotions feel, be good? They they yes, can be helpful, of course. right? It pushes you. It should push you forward. And when you don't let let them, when you don't listen to the call. It's a health factor. You know, listen oh, to the call. You, right? yeah. Listen to the call. Well, I've been thinking a lot about emotion and the mm. way that they can be these little guideposts to mm. some sort of – so there's your subconscious too. There are little inner worlds. I know it's not little, but there it is. And it's sending us these feelings. And sometimes we don't know why we feel why we feel. But we do know that those feelings, bad, negative feelings we feel, go away when we change a behavior or cut a – person out of your life that's toxic or, or bad for you or whatever it is. So it's interesting. Yes, I've yes. started to try to look at emotions as something you can tune into instead of like some inconvenient thing where I feel sad or despair and I'm like, well, I guess I'll get drunk. You know, you go like, well, why? Why this? Why this discontent? Yes. But I am curious why you, how you guys keep your Sisyphus smiling. Oh, <laughs> uh, we don't always really. We just know that we should. I mean, no, Is I that think, right? Because that, that helps me We're totally flawed humans. We are just 100% flawed humans working on ourselves. Yeah. And we see our relationship as uh, you know, for the purpose of transformation personally, you know, mm. like like me rubbing up against YouTube. Alex mm-hmm. 
every day, all the time. See, we didn't always be together every day, all the time, but we do now. And I think it's God's way of making us better people at, at, the, at this time in our life. But you, you, know? you even have an intention, though, for the relationship. Oh, yeah. All that deliberate, like, Why you're talking not? about you take LSD and you, Ramdas, when I was in Maui, I go on that retreat where he's at. Do you? With yeah. Duncan. I love it. Yeah, with Duncan, I know, that's right. He's such a good friend. I love Duncan very yeah. dearly. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, uh, Ramdas said, LSD will show you God if you ask it to, right. which I think is an interesting lesson. You you said that earlier, that having an intention for your relationship, having your intention for your art. When I don't find satisfaction in my art, I often find it's because I forgot why I'm doing it. But you guys seem to have a pretty clear line into why you're doing what you're We're doing. We're working for God. Ah, you know, the Blues Brothers! Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, well, look, it's when you're working for God, you're never out of a job. You know? It's ongoing for eternity. <laughs> Great retirement plan. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's right. Well, now, you just keep recycling. Now, <laughs> keep another boulder for you to push, right? That's right. Is that what you There's mean? There's always another You're one. just always doing it. But you are also relieving suffering. You're helping people feel less as alone. much as you can you know I, i'd like to say that in 1985 we took mdma and our is intention Molly? well yeah, molly is an adaptation basically. of the the drug that was ecstasy. pharmaceutical when uh-huh. we took it and right. it was it was legal then right but anyway it was our first time ever and we had the simultaneous vision of the chapel and that guided us you did in our life yeah yeah the chapel of sacred sacred mirrors came up in that journey yes okay we need to start at the start because i've heard other interviews with you guys and i'm like i don't i need to hear everything no no so you're, this is perfect it's 19 what year did you say it was you were 23 but i want to go back to we'll get to mdma and the, and the chapel see but. there was the there was our lsd journey that changed our work in 1976 where we had a simultaneous vision when you met at this party? No, it was a year after we. Met. Oh, it was a year after you. We met. were we were living together uh, that year. It was God's anniversary present. That's you right. made it through a year, you guys. How about this? You know, but did that you- was that what that blasted <clears throat> us into a wow. Now our subject is infinite interconnectedness and the divine. You know, we. We knew we couldn't make art just about our, you know, whiny-ass self. It had to be also serving um, this this immensely positive love force Mm. that we knew was at the basis of the cosmos. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. I will ask you guys at the end of the podcast, but I recently asked – I ask everybody. I say, what do you think happens when we die? And they were like, what a – most people just answered and enjoy it, but this guy and I loved his answer. He answered, but then he was like, "It's also kind of not." It's kind of what Buddha said. He's like, "It's not a great question." It's not. It's not <laughs> Buddha basically said, "It's none of your business." Ah, like, yes. Why are you talking about it when there's all these boulders to push and all these people to help and all this art to make and all this whatever it is, oh. sex to have or whatever, music to listen to, whatever it might be, uh, or mundane shift at Best Buy to do. It doesn't matter. It's all <laughs> in the mix. But uh, where was I going with that? What happened? It's when part you of the philosophical you, question that yeah. drives us, though, and I think that some sense of that uh, was what you know. I was hurtling toward my own suicide, actually, frankly. But when you and, were young, yes, and and well, that's my my uh, my plea that last day, the day that I took my first dose of acid, May thirtieth, nineteen seventy five. I basically said, God, if you're out there, please appear because I'm really mm. so sad. I really mm. want to end it all. Mm. And uh, so it, 
nothing had happened by the end of the school year. And I was saying goodbye to my professor on the street corner. Around the corner, like, comes Allison in her VW and says, Hey, I'm having a party later tonight. You know, <laughs> if you guys want to come. You know, so I was on the corner for like two minutes in all. <laughs> if I wasn't there for those two minutes, I wouldn't be alive. Wow. And so uh, so that trip saved my life. Wow. Because I found God on that trip. He showed up big time. Well, the guy, the guy who was standing on the like, corner yeah. with you was yeah. your somebody you've been working for, who yeah, was our professor, our conceptual mixed media professor, who I was not going to out him right now, but, but he was the guy that gave That's me right. the acid. Well, this is where I was going with what yeah. I just lost my train of thought on, was that Sounds your work at the beginning, even when you were a little kid, was very death-obsessed and your own yeah. death, and even seeing your body in the garbage and all that totally. stuff is very like, oh, wow, I'm decaying, and we all can feel that way. I feel that panic all the time. In right. fact, I had a dream last – I have dreams often where I'm panicking that I die. I was oh. like, oh, man. Yeah. Like I know I'm dreaming and I'm like, game over? Sucks. Yeah. Exactly. I think I do my morning yeah. of death while I'm asleep because I'm like, maybe I'm not doing it enough in life. I'm not sure. I, I pretty, Can I just I'm say sure what, gave, what took wow. that away from me because I had that Please. too. I shouldn't say this. I would love for you to. It was the first ecstasy trip. It was our first ecstasy trip. The same chapel The same trip trip that we saw the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. I lost my fear of dying. I mean, the the fear of dying that's overwhelming, and in the night you, like, worry over it, and you, like, get scared of it. Okay, so we... You know Okay, so we, we we took this pharmaceutical dose, this therapeutic dose, lay on the bed with our eyes closed or a blindfold. Is that a small dose or a big dose? I don't know, but it's like a, it's a good dose. actually. Less is more, though. Don't, don't was do too much of anything. You know, and then it was like all of a sudden. You know, like, <laughs> it was our you're, first you're time. I'm telling you, the first time is powerful. So if you haven't done it for a long time, or it is your first time, do it this way, lying on the bed with your eyes closed and the, and the, and the, and mm. the uh, music uh, in, in something spiritual like Bach, it's nice, mm. uh, play by Albert Schweitzer is really good. <laughs> and then, because he's so altruistic, you know, you put all this altruism into your ritual and then you lie there and then you close your eyes and you go on your journey. Mm. And I am telling you, I had a complete healing around death at that moment. Because I used to worry all the time, like, like what would happen like if Alex died first? What would happen if I died first? You know, that, that sort of thing. 80, by 85, we were all together for 10 years. So I was just like, you know... I was very anxious about it and took all that anxiety away. One treatment. Mm. It's like it's it's a therapy. That stuff is a therapy well, for for that purpose, grief and fear and all that stuff. Now not to say that I don't I'm not self-preserving. I've never wanted to kill myself and I, you know, and I try to do my best, to, you know, keep myself. But I think that that overwhelming fear that hovers over you <clears> can <throat> be really a great healing experience done in the right set sure. and setting. But what was it? Was it a a feeling or okay, what, a... what here's what came up. Wherever what whoever dies first, I mm. told Alex, we should do this. Just lie down, do this experience. And we will have the knowing, the natural knowing that the other person is okay mm. and that we're okay and that they know we're okay. 
See, that's the thing that I think that came, that went away from me was worrying that he would be okay, that I was if okay, does, right. and that he would know that I was okay, and I would know that he's okay. So we would have this knowing, this natural knowing of each other being okay. I could lie there next to him and not talk to him and not touch him, which is what we were doing, lying on our little bed, and close our eyes. And I knew he was okay. I knew in there, in his journey. See, I don't do you mean that as in, a soul. As a soul, I knew with the with the MDMA. So you felt that, though. It's funny because totally. we talking about it is one thing, but this chemical helped you feel it. Yeah. Feel it totally. You know it relieved. like natural you are knowing. Natural exactly. knowing. You That's know, the like, highest level of consciousness. Like I don't doubt that my the hand is right of the ladder of consciousness, <laughs> natural knowing is right at the top. It's the way I feel about Alex and he of me. It's mm. kind of like we're, to, we're forever no matter what. Mm. So there's some things that people feel that about. Maybe not their relationship, but maybe other things. Mm-hmm. So I, that you know something that 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 high in the consciousness, mm-hmm. level. and that's how well yeah, you knew. Yeah, I that. felt that, and it it relieved me of that of that neurosis. Was it that idea where you're like, I'm not this body, I'm a soul, and he's not that body, and he's a soul, and who cares well, what well, happens you know, to these? Well, you know, the experience rappers? of I am not a body. Hmm. <laughs> it's another kind of. It, it's all the psychedelic drugs, really. Well, I, I was going to ask body. if you're. First LSD trip, you asked to see God. A lot of people have that sort of my body vanishes sort of experience, yet I remain. You know, Ram Dass's first mushroom trip, his body disappeared, and he was like, but mm. I'm over here. I've had that. I, I Disappearing. Think I think that it's, it's something that other people have had. Talk about the psychedelic vocabulary. They go like, well, you think your body, I'm going to make your vo- body disappear, and yet you'll still be kind of floating around. Hovering and well, being at observation is something I think that people report. That's... Right? That's a I good way to – g- if I was some sort of secret gold fine paint writing force and I wanted to tell you that you weren't what you think you are, I would take you out of what you think you are. And this is why I was very obsessed with and still remain obsessed with astral projection and stuff and oh, people so cool. that can snap out of their bodies. I've only had one guest that could do it. Sinbad. Super cool. I love him. Astral project. It was crazy. Talk about a different world. Well, my the uh, uh, the best person that I ever met who was an artist and an astral projector. He worked for the government. His name was Ingo Swan, and he he wrote (laughs) about Ingo Swan. And he was an amazing visionary artist and a friend. It sounds like someone for many years stepped up nose had Ringo Starr. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, but but it was Ingo Swan. I think it's Ingo Swan, probably Eastern European. What do you think? Well, Ingo. He what he was able to do was uh, during experiments lift himself out of uh, his body and view targets, targets that uh, at Stanford here. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so he was one of the best, and he also was able to do uh, kind of spying at a distance and things really? like that. Yeah. Because that was, was in um, Journeys from the Body that mm-hmm. uh, Robert Monroe, this right. book was written in right, the 50s, right. tried to go see the president and he yeah. ran into a Secret Service guy that was also astral projection. Yeah. Oh and, my and God. Was exactly. Like, you can't uh, be here. Yeah. Uh, we see what you're doing and, uh, you know, this is a little get, bit of a gate here. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, it's yeah. uh, very fascinating. So this it guy is. would do 
They said that they use remote viewing to find Saddam Hussein, at least some yeah. fun documentary yeah. I watched about I'd that. like to just say that we just saw a major Ingo Swan uh, piece, installation really, at the uh, Masonic Temple he was uh, an Museum in well. L.A. Artist this new well. museum in L.A. that has incredible, incredible contemporary work. He had a great big piece. In so it. he was spying and, and flying around and also painting. Working for the government. Oh, he was a great painter. Painting, yeah, and astral projecting. Yeah, yeah. Have you either? Well, tell me about your LSD experience, or I'm assuming none of us are astral projecting unless you are. <laughs> I think that going? astral projecting is pretty, pretty um, much reported on through you know people's LSD experiences, One where they could the, be other places. Yes. One of mm, sound is different. Oh, maybe it, you jiggled, wiggled. Did jiggle, you, wiggled. Did, did I jiggle, do it? Maybe I do. There we go. Jiggle, wiggle. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Albert Hoffman talked about uh, feeling outside of his body and feeling that he had died mm. on his first acid trip, on mm. the first acid trip ever. So that is a uh, one of the archetypes that does recur. Well, it's the, funny. The sense of being outside of, of one's body. And I think that the, uh, what, what we see there is that we're not limited to the body. Mm-hmm. And uh, that... Actually, if you uh, shift gears and you're in another state, like when we entered this, uh, like the year later, Mm -hmm. uh, the June 3rd, 1976 trip that we had where we melded down into the universal mind lattice. (laughs) The mind lattice? Is that like... Universal Universal mind mind lattice. lattice. We had become like a... Like imagining your spine as kind of the center of a torus... Uh-huh. You know, and the torus, like a toroidal um, energy field, like a donut, you know, like a Cinnamon. kind of an apple or yeah. something, like yeah. a sphere. You're a sphere, but there's a, a center and then two ends, and it just kind of circulates. Like like the Earth itself has a geomagnetic force field around it, which mm. is a torus, mm. a toroidal field. So... Uh, our body had become toroidal energy fields <laughs> only, and it was fountains and drains of light. Mm. And a vast and, network, and, a vista of fountains and drains. Mm. Exactly. There, every other being in the cosmos was one of these balls of light. Mm. But the, the light was love. And so it connected every being. And when we woke up to this state, it was like... You woke up from a dream. Like, oh my God, I was in a body. That was such a weird dream. Mm. Now I'm really who I am. Mm. The, the really who I am is beyond the body. Timeless light that is love, that okay. is uh, collecting information so from all the lifetimes. Why? Beautiful. <laughs> Lovely. Why then do this? You know what I mean? This is the mystery. You know, God, <laughs> God is sending us, projecting us into life, yes. you know. And so what dimension we wind up in forever, how long and things. These are little visits and each lifetime has very many lessons embedded in it. You know, our job is to learn every day. I to think. work off our karma, is that... Well, so, some some would put it in that way, and I suppose you could uh, see it like that. The I I do consider myself a Buddhist, so I try to pay attention to those things, and I think that they have one of the best 
uh, attitudes in the bodhisattva, you know, that that projects this idea of a of uh, a being whose mind uh, is enlightened, but they uh, do not leave the Basically. realm of suffering, right. but they enter into it willingly mm-hmm. with the smile of Sisyphus exactly. the way, you know, uh, to I'm gonna hang bring, yeah, to bring relief to the suffering right. and to uh, do positive kind of work wherever they can. But it's interesting because if it is a game that we're all playing on ourselves, which I'm totally into, I completely understand that. It's weird that we even made a construct where there is suffering. And I'm not saying we're going to crack the case on suffering in a way that we can understand today. But it is funny. You know, I always think it's like in The Matrix where they're like, we tried to make a perfect world, but people kept waking themselves up because they wouldn't accept it. It's almost like there's something in us that wants to know how we are in every situation, including ugly, nasty ones. Well, what will... what is the creative discontent going to be driving us from? But this kind of... If you're not suffering, you're not discontented. Mm. You know, there's so, no, so there's no juice. So there, there is no. Uh, let's see, Alfred North Whitehead, uh, and I'm really quoting Terence, quoting uh, Whitehead. <laughs> but a lot of people loved Whitehead as mm. a philosopher. Mm. But he basically said that uh, in order to have a universe, you know, you have to have two things, you know, or three things. Basically, it was like you have to have nothing, and you have to have everything. And you have to have the advance into novelty. Mm. The advance into novelty is what is driving everything. That is the the engine of creation, the creator that uh, you get in touch with in your own soul that's creating through us, the great creator. This goes back to art and creating and manifesting Absolutely. being the meaning of life. Totally. And that's the, the fun yeah. of it. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that, the God that's, in us. That's the, how are you going to make it better? Mm. <laughs> that's, that's the divine coming in through the creator. Mm-hmm. You know, so to, we, we create the stakes so we, of, oh, sorry. Oh, please. We create through the divine, like, you know, like you channel it into whatever creative thing you're doing. Mm. You know, art, music, dance, acting, being mm. authentic, being mm. yourself as another character. You know, that's just channeling. That's like saying you're everybody and you're just sort of plucking out that one that you are, you know. I love it. How do you two function as a, as a couple? You've been together just the length of time you've been together. Years 42 years. is it? Is, of bliss. And you're, you genuinely seem so happy. And you're artists, so you have the creative discontent. <laughs> we do, we I do. have to imagine you guys keep strange hours. And I, again, I say strange with no judgment. You know, I mean, you have to hit it when you hit it. I, I have to assume, just like poor Valerie, I joke, my fiance, uh, has to deal with me going through weird times where I'm like, I don't feel it. I can't find it. You know, like I'm looking for the juice. Right. Because right. I flare up white hot. I'm sure you two both as well. I'm not saying I'm manic depressive, but I get something that I call mania. Right. Where everything is brilliant. It's sim- it's similar to being on a psychedelic. You're just like, I get it. And oh everything God. you make is very profound and means everything. <laughs> like I was, I was watching the movie John Wick and I was feeling a little manic. And I was like, it's the old way, which is kung fu and karate, and the new way, which is guns and cars. And we love when the old meets the new. <laughs> like, like really yeah. feeling everything being about everything. And then there are other times when I'm just like, 
I'm depressed. <laughs> Which is so boring, but I can't I can't get past my own veil. I well, there have been Buddhist teachers that uh, Mahasi Sayadaw was was known for not having any ups and downs. He was known for being a very <laughs> flatline uh, mm. uh, guru. You know where you know you don't get excited, and you don't get depressed, <laughs> and you don't get up upwardly happy. You probably wouldn't celebrate your birthday. You know, you just kind of, because that's stressful. You would just kind of, you know, like go flatline. So people study that and follow it. And it, and it is a. Hearing it, you it, say it, that, but I don't. I don't know if I I don't. No, I'm Jewish. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of ups and downs, and my family always did. And Do I, you know how to deal with each other's ups and we're downs? We're working on ourselves. We're always working on ourselves. But, but when you're down, does Alex line. know she needs a weekend alone? He gets, he gets down. <laughs> he is the depressive guy who was almost going to kill himself. I was the cheer, <laughs> captain of the cheerleaders, don't forget. So anyway, we both have our ups and downs. How do you cope with him? You know, you know. We were like back and forth. It's really the flip side of each other. That's where the sacred mirrors come in. You know, Mm -hmm. Alex and I are sacred mirrors. It's 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 terrible if both of you are upset at the same time, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. And and we have our our stuff. You know, we 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 have our stuff. But um, I think we're still learning, very much in process. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, listening to the advice of others, and reading, and practicing, and learning deep communication. Everybody knows how to do it. Everybody knows how to improve their relationship. Communication. It is the only thing that that leads to transformation. Transformation, boom, communication. That's just it. It's just like in a line. If you talk about it, if you talk about your deep feelings, if you are able to unveil all that shit on top and really go to the core of what is bothering you, then maybe, and if that person is really listening and getting it, that's how resolve happens. I mean, we all know that. We just have to do it. Do you feel, though, that you have to take shifts? I'm actually not even projecting myself onto you. I, I'm thinking of another couple that I know. They're both creative, and sometimes the focus is on one guy, right. and sometimes it's on the other. Right. But they had to learn right. that, not taking on the chin, but it goes like, this is her time, and later I'll be doing this. Let me just say, we, we have the power feeder, power source Theory. Power feeder, power source? Power feeder, uh-huh. power source <clears throat> theory. This is, we've, we, we write about this. It's going to be in our Cosm journal, I think. The next journal that we're coming out with is theme of love. Hmm. So, but anyway, the power feeder, power source theory is, um, you know, a power source is a very important thing to anything powerful. Mm-hmm. But it cannot operate without a feeder. There is no power source that can just sit there like an engine the with, sun nothing, burns off. with nothing. With yes. nothing, yeah. it has to have a source. If it's if it if it if it's a solar and it's in a black box, there's no source. Mm-hmm. So I mean, no feeder. Mm. So the feeder, the power feeder, is of equal importance to the power source. And sometimes in a relationship, a person is the source. And sometimes in a relationship, the other person is the feeder. Mm. And it does go back and forth. Do you look at those things as masculine and feminine? I don't mean gender. I just mean is that kind of one of the great harmonies I of the universe? I think that's been the archetype. But mm. I think that is changing and worth Really considering and reconsidering. I think there are a lot of women whose husbands are supporting them. We just, we just uh, married not too long ago two electrical engineers, and they had a baby. We did their, ba- their wedding and their baby blessing, and he's staying home. 
She went back to work. It just made more sense, and, and we talked oh, I, about it. I didn't it. even mean so. The so it's happening genders. more and more as far as gender balance. But we both, we all, everybody has both. But I energy, think the archetype yeah. is that the man is the source and the woman is the feeder. But I think that's you know unsatisfying to a lot of women for sure uh, because they're not acknowledged enough by the source. Well, I was on Mad Men. Who wants to be a bull? They said mm. in the 60s it was like, oh, uh, a woman is like a beautiful bowl for the man to pour himself into. And this is one of the lesbian well, characters. Vessel, and she goes, who wants to be a vessel? Exactly. Right. It is kind of a lousy hand. But there is something. Well, a temple is a well, vessel. Let, you know, yeah, yeah, that's true. For the oh. soul. Let's uh, I'll look at the oldest religion on earth, which was the tens of thousands of years of worship of the goddess. Because she was the holy vessel through which life came. Mm. And if we look at the earth itself, we oftentimes think of Mother Earth, Mm -hmm. the creative vessel of life. And so uh, this quality within us was what was identified with as the creative source in us, the Mm. divine feminine, the... uh, this this was the Sufi mystic Ibn Arabi, you know, who spoke of the quality of the creatrix, you know, as being this divine feminine quality inside of all of us mm. and in the world. And when we see it denigrated and when we see it uh, basically um, not taken care of mm. in our earth and we see... Uh, all of the sad um, environmental problems that really with higher consciousness you could say, oh, you know, these are... these are It's a macroscopic... This is a big problem that yeah. the Earth, you know, should unite the planet mm. in our care of our environment, mm. you know, which is our source, our, mm. our mother, mm. you know. So this... Uh, en- energy of uh, the divine mother and divine feminine uh, is now making a return. I think partly, uh, interestingly, because of the internet. Why? Because now we're looking at image more than simply language and word. Hmm. We're looking a lot of iconography which is opening us up to a more universal way of uh, connecting beyond the word. And I think that uh, this is connecting us also back into the visionary uh, worlds because we're much more reliant on uh, pictorial iconography now than we were even 50 years ago. So when the women's movement was beginning in the... uh, wake of the awakening to all of the political and ecological and civil rights issues that were uh, bedeviling humanity. Hmm. And that was at the time when LSD came entering and psychedelics came entering into our culture in the late 60s. I mean, mm. this is really the women's movement and the civil rights movement and all, and the end of the war in Vietnam, the end of the draft. These things all happened in the wake of the uh, you know the rising uh, groups of people that were trying and, and 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 being transformed by psychedelics. Then what went wrong? <laughs> you know, Ramdas, how do we get off course? Nixon, Nixon, is that it? Yeah, went wrong. it was the uh, the Nixon, Nixon <laughs> basically hijacked uh, the 
uh, very positive kind of information that was coming forward and uh, as a way to suppress the um, freedom of that was represented by the hippie movement. Mm. He hated hippies. <laughs> he hated uh, black people, and he hated Mexicans. But, like, can and I this say is one thing, well though? known, and so he started a racist war on drugs. Mm. But also, I think the change was very rapid. Mm. So when you're talking about all this rapid change, you know, you know, and all this 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 rioting and fires and burning down and in 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 universities and colleges throughout the U.S. and the end of the draft, which was always there, and the end of, you know, stopping a war that we lost and, you know, the killing of the president, all of that stuff that came up, the change was so rapid that I think a lot of fear came up around the uh, the catalyst, which was LSD. Mm. And I do think that, you know, the millions and millions of people that, that did it were transformed by it, as all three of us were, mm. and many, many other people. And so, and what do you make of it kind of coming back? Speaking of the Internet, I mean, I yes. feel like people like me heard about it because of the Internet. I mean, right. I, it's, it's mm. no small miracle, I guess, that I, I know. Do you, I don't know if you knew Where Terrence McKenna. Where did you McKenna, hear about it? Yeah. You, I, how do I when know did you Terrence first, McKenna? You know what I mean? Who did, did you first turn you on to, like, that Duncan there was Trestle. such a thing? <laughs> really? Our dear buddy. No, I had already done it. High but, school? Um, no, I, I, was, uh, I was 29, and I, I took mushrooms. I didn't mean who turned you on. I mean, you, you hadn't heard of it before then. Or you hadn't tried it before Oh, no. All I had heard was that if – I heard probably something that Nixon probably wanted me to hear, which is if you took LSD seven times, you went insane. Oh. And you'd think you were a glass of orange juice. And if anyone touched you, you'd spill. <laughs> that was like a wow. that's all I would hear about is that it made you go crazy uh-huh. or you'd get trapped in your brain and you'd think wow. no one could touch you. And the so then did so that, then you did it and, and then, then I was and then was it that. did it change you? Absolutely. Right. Well that that's the most exciting thing that it did for me is, is it gave me something beyond language. Is it gave me an experience that I was like even when you know when you're in it and you're like I can't. You've made you've both made a living. I, I just mean you've lived painted to and paint spoke. and try and bring some of it back. But when you're there and this isn't sad I suppose you just go like I'm just going to have to remember that there's something I can't remember <laughs> because you're in something so thick. And it's not just ecstasy. It, it really is that union that we're talking about. And, and you go, that's when I went, oh, we need metaphor. So I, it opened me up back up to the religion that I had been raised really? from a metaphorical perspective. And then later I kind of came full circle and was like, or maybe it's all true. I don't even, it doesn't even matter to me anymore. But that, it was the mushroom that taught me that there are things that you need a story to explain. And then I was like, oh, maybe that's what Christ was. Maybe that's what they, they all were. I'm not sure. But Maybe you found out you were a really good storyteller. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, because that's part of you, how you are creative. Yeah, Is I by so. be, being articulate. I hope so. Telling good stories. It, it did interest me that there were some people that could come back from a psychedelic experience and explain it a little bit better than other people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's an art Like people form. like Duncan, you're like, oh, why am I riveted? And this person's just kind of like, I don't know, there was a red guy. I saw a red guy and he chased me. I'm like, no. why, am I, why am I bored with this story? It should be like the most interesting thing in the world. Right. Psy- psychedelocution. Psychedelocution. <laughs> yeah. Did you just make that up? He's really <laughs> Psychedelocution is wonderful. Well, that's, that's what Terrence had. 
Of co- that's what Taryn said. That's what, when you start listening to Terrence McKenna, yes. you go, this person can make me high by talking. He's connected. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. and you with- kind of sound like and him. You can, anyone you, ever pointed he's out that you're, him. Yeah, he's your, your voice sounds a little well, bit like him. Uh, I we, just realized. We uh, were friends, and uh, he invited me to the All Chemical Conference, which was the last... Uh, kind of big conference that he gave in 99. Mm. And uh, so we got to hang out a little bit, and he was really into VR and the Internet and everything at that time, you mm. know. And But within, like, a year or so, he had died. And uh was really tragic. I My first uh, ayahuasca experience was down in Brazil with Dennis. No McKenna. way. Yeah. Get and and it and it was in like 2001 too, so we had just lost Terrence. Wow. And on top of that, uh his library, which was so precious, had just burned. There was a it was in storage in in San Francisco in a Denny's, you know, like had a like a grease fire or something and in this apartment, you know, that it was being stored in, his entire oh, uh, no. priceless library had been consumed. So Dennis was processing this intense passage, you know, of, of his the genius of his brother and, and both of them are in profound mm. geniuses mm. and so now from 2017, we can see how Terrence's life has been preserved as a, as a psychedelic uh, kind of psychopomp or elder, uh, a, an elf who is an unfailing guide, you know, and really an, a, a brother that accompanies us, like St. Terrence, mm. you know, like uh, uh, somebody who's been there, you know, and so you know that you can too, you know, and, and that he says it's okay, you know, it's just death by astonishment, okay, you know, that's the... Uh, I rem- Oh, go ahead. He's into the aesthetic miracle of life and, mm. and of the mind and of the inner world. But where Terrence and, say, Ramdas kind of split ways is Ramdas certainly embraced a tradition yes. and, a, and a practice. And Terrence seemed to be more like nobody knows. Right. Nabobs don't kneel before anyone. There's right. nobody that's got it figured out. It's all about what you figure out. Whereas Ramdas. Obviously, his transformation was meeting a guru True. and going that was his way. Obviously, those are both valid. I wonder yeah. what you two feel about practice and tradition and, and, and gurus and spiritual leaders. Or are you in the Terrence camp where you're like, fuck that shit. I'll be alone in the closet. <laughs> we, we, we founded a church. We founded an interfaith radically welcoming art church in the Hudson Valley. You know, so it's, it's all religions are one. All one. Mm. And we have a gallery. We just named the All One Gallery. Alex, though, uh, does consider himself a Buddhist who (laughs) grew up as a Methodist. I grew up Jewish and still consider myself Jewish. And for, oh, God, 15 years of full moon ceremonies, every full moon I do a Parsha. So a Parsha is like a a little talk about – it's like an oracle. It's Mm. a little bit like a Jewish oracle that goes on in, in synagogues all over the world. But anyway, it's fun. It's like a story. 
So Wait, what is? What do you mean? There's an oracle? There, what? Well, we, our full moon <laughs> ceremony includes wisdom, storytelling, poetry, music, voice, dance, all kinds of performance art. It's a performative uh, ceremony that we have every month on the full moon. So every full moon. I mean, I thought 15 years ago I should think of something to do, and I was going to just be a storyteller, but I thought I should learn more about my own tradition. So I went back to the Parsha, which is, you know, portions of the story that starts with the seven days of creation and ends with the death of Moses. But every portion, there's 56 of them, and they go every week. Hmm. So all the synagogues all over the world are talking about that portion, whatever kind of sect you are, you know, it's that portion if you're Jewish. So, but it's an oracle. It's like pulling a tarot card or, or throwing an I Ching, you know, uh, hexagram. You know, it's like, it's like a slice. And the story is interpreted so that it relates relevant to your personal life or the life of your people, whatever your community is. Mm. But, of course, for the Jews, it's the Jewish community. But for us, it's our community, you know, the one that we're developing up there in the Hudson Valley because we have – we're going back from here to the full moon ceremony. We never miss a full moon. So Mm. it's kind of our – it's our practice. That's one of our practices. Mm -hmm. Of course, Alex and I also meditate and do yoga every day. That we can, you know, not on the playa, but we've, you know, done a lot of other things. We skip days, that's true, but mostly every day we, we meditate and do yoga. Has and anyone, we, we paint every day. Has anyone gotten close, though? Or like the Terrence idea that nobody knows? Nobody knows. Or did Christ know? Did Christ know what? What's going on? There, I think that there... we feel a sense of knowing when, we, when we're in that, that space of the universal mind lattice, the jewel net of Indra, you know, the, the place that is described by people who have near-death experiences or people who have you know, contact with the infinite. Mm. And they also have a sense that they are not just their body, that their body is this sort of, well, Alex calls it a meat bag that we live in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's this thing that, you know, that, that, that we carry around. Like, I, I feel a Meet sense puppet. of continuity with who I was when I was an infant, you know, or not an infant, but my first memories. I know I w- I'm the same person. Mm. And, and, and the experience of being something ephem- other than the body, something ephemeral, something more f- pure mm. than our shit that we carry around, you know, or even our upsets and our, and our, you know, and our negativities and all that stuff. But something pure and perfect mm. is something that you can have. It is reassuring that so many people through different methods, when they get to that place, uh, they feel that love. Like it's, it's like, it's good news. You know what I'm saying? Like when you go really deep, you find a unifying, beautiful white light of positivity. Even if the people listening to this podcast never do psychedelics and never do anything super trans- transcendental or deep or whatever, it's nice to know that others have gone and brought that back. Is that valuable or do you have to do it yourself? Don't forget he said, remember, be here now. I just wanted to say, that was Ram Dass's words, remember. The book cover is remember, be here now. Yeah. And it re- relates to what you were saying before about you know, how you want to bring it back, how you want to remember it so that right. you can go back to that moment, the be here now moment. Right, right. But anyway, your question was? My question was, do you have to have the experience yourself or is it enough to <laughs> go, ah, someone else told me about it? Because mm. I feel like most people, most, no. my, most of my religious experience was worshiping someone else's Idea. story. Right. And then when you talked about what mushrooms did for me, I was like, oh, no, there's something that can happen to me. But then there's also meditation or uh, let's, falling in love. Let's look at the word religion. You know, 
uh, religio is to tie back. Like ligament. You would know yeah. that. And so to tie back to what? To tie back to our creative source, to the spirit that's the foundation of everything. So uh, the idea of religion is to unite self and God, unite mm. self and source. Mm. Every other thing, every political finagling of religion and shit is a secondary religious experience. The primary religious experience is the mystical experience, your God contact. So everyone is capable of it. And it's. I always feel like, what if, you know, you lived all your life and then like near the end of it, somebody said, oh, you know, there is this thing called sex and you could have an orgasm. <laughs> you know, oh, damn, I did it. my entire, this is incredible. I can have an orgasm, you know, well, that's what, like, and you yeah. lived all your life and you didn't know you had, could have a fucking orgasm. Right. And so you didn't know you could make love with God. You didn't know you could have a sense of your infinite and eternal nature mm. beyond your uh, the veil of tears that you live through as your ego, mm. you know. Have you had negative experiences? I, I just like to say faith does not bring you natural knowing, okay? Faith, leap of faith, somebody else told you the story, somebody else said, and you should believe, and if you practice this, this, and this, and say this over and over and over again, right. every day you will have. No, I don't believe that. I think that experience leads to natural knowing. Right. The experience of God it contact. See, Alex was a, was an atheist. I was an agnostic. I was, you know, I was Jewish, but it was like I didn't have the experience and I wasn't going to just believe that. It's like this is all very nice, you know, worshiping ancestors and everything and you know, they you know, I, I'm very proud of that, but right. at the same time it was not about God contact. It was about community. Community's right. great too. But to to have the experience is something that you cannot unknow, and you cannot, you know, be told that it isn't so. So no matter how many atheists want to get up and say it isn't so, that's I don't care. Mm. You know, natural knowing is not about you know like to having to convince anybody because it's so it's so intuitive, embedded you that can't you can't unknow anyway. it. Right. You can't like get rid of that vision that God actually spoke to you and that you, it exists. I've had a lot of my wonderful atheist friends not want to take psychedelics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think that's, that's interesting. A, kind of a strange. But I've had atheist friends who have and did not experience God. And in that experience in my room where I saw the secret writing, one of my friends out of three was a, was a Marxist atheist and really was not having the intention. Of seeing the Isn't white that light, you find there's only 65 percent of yeah. them in in the study. Actually, even with the intention and the right setting, set and setting, 65 percent have the experience mm. on the first trial, the first trial. But uh, and my friend had had many trials before that and did not ever uh, have God contact, and mm. would you know it became sort of the end of that relationship because I you know. It's, they it's were a, too frustrated. It's disparate. It's hmm. disparate that you, you know, when you're when you're with people who are of a very different spiritual life, you know, their spiritual reality, the core of their spiritual reality, is different than than yours. Hmm. You know, it, it it it's it. I think it's it questions the core of your beings, and so hmm. you know. Well, what about speaking of Terrence? I remember. I think Duncan told me 
that Dennis told him (laughs) (laughs) that towards the end of his life, Terrence stopped taking mushrooms because he had an experience that he was like, well, I'm never doing that again. Really? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. I I had heard this, too. Um, And uh, I think Dennis was, you know, at a certain period a little frustrated and felt like his brother was a little disingenuous telling everybody to go and trip, you know, (laughs) while he was, like, a little scared himself after, you know, having gone over, you know, like, whoa. Well, it... Look, it's... uh, I... I love our psychedelic heroes. They're heroes to me. And it doesn't mean that they're flawless. I mean, if you look at anybody you'll, you, and you look hard enough and, you, you know, you go through their garbage or something, you know, you'll find some dirt on somebody sure. and stuff like that. And like, But I try to hold uh, the... The good things that people did, the contributions that they oh, made, sure. as much as possible, you know. I didn't and even think that as slander towards Terrence. I was just course. like, how interesting. No, it's very even, interesting. Because you want to think that if you do it enough that you'd kind of be immune to something that would be – I'm just like, I can't even imagine what a trip would be that he'd be like, well, look, this is too much. Well, like, how about this? You're dying of cancer. That's Get a- into it. Really? You know what? I want to go there again? I want to dig in that? You right, know? Okay. Right. Uh, I don't know. You mean you know, to- It's like, uh, look, he was going through a lot of stuff. Right. He was telling us about like the dreams that he was having and things like that were so weird and so you know off the charts. And then he realized he had a tumor and everything right, like right. that. So it's, it was like... Very intense. He was recovering well, from like, this uh, surgery and everything, mm. and and so, look, everybody's life. We can't judge anybody. Of course not. You know, we all we all go through stuff, and the frustrations that come out in in one thing or another. You know, everybody is worth loving and forgiving. Mm. You know, if they. Uh, you know, if we look at it, you know, and and for if for your own sake only, forgive everybody. You know? <laughs> what what else is there to do? I suppose exactly. Hold you on know, to it. Yeah, but I guess what is more interesting to me again, I wasn't trying to tear sure. down the icon of Saint Terence because yeah. I love him so dearly. Yeah, but it's interesting to me how have you had negative experiences or experiences where you're like, maybe I don't want to smoke DMT anymore. <laughs> oh, uh, well, of course, you know, if if, <laughs> if somebody hasn't, uh, you, you know, if they haven't had a bad trip, I don't know. I I have heard of people like that, and you know, people have told me like, oh tripped hundreds of times i've never had a bad trip you know and i think like whoa awesome you know Mm. well i've been through atomic war i've been through you know like uh the pits of auschwitz i've been through every negative kind of horror that you can imagine in a hell space of infinite proportions yeah if you're psychedelic traveler we probably gonna wind up there once you dress. I would like know? to say if you, and, uh, if, if you uh, 
haven't been there, you probably haven't been going inside. You've probably been going, you know, like outwardly uh, focused. I know that like, you know, when you trip and you're on the playa at Burning Man, say, and you're about to go to the burn and, you know, there's, there's so much activity. There's so much going on outside of you. You still can get mired in some negative experiences. It's very, very intense. And so, of course, they have a zendo and a place for people to go if they are having an overly intense experience. But, mm. but You um, guys have one of those. We've had it. We've had I mean, at, at your house, I remember there was the tent. I hung out in there a lot. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even on psychedelics. I just yes. I enjoyed Oh, you it. mean at, at Cosm? <laughs> at Cosm, at Cosm yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. That is true. When we have the big people. parties, we always have a zendo. And we yeah. were trained by MAPS, the multiple. Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies has a training that they will do for you if you are going to take care of people. Mm. You know, if you find out that you're with somebody who's having a hard time mm. in one way or another. Some people just, you know, just run regular life and the fact that things are so intense. Mm-hmm. So they have, you know, people who sit with them and it's very lovely. But anyway. Do you guys have mantras to keep it on the straight and narrow when you're... I say this. If you are having a bad experience and Alex and I, uh, you know... <laughs> You know, we, we, I don't know. I don't think we have a bad time, like any, any recently. Uh, but, you know, you can go there if you want to go inside deeply and start dealing with an issue, de- dealing with a matter. And you have a very interpersonal, almost like a therapeutic uh, session with your beloved, with somebody you really, really trust. You can go to some dark places. But that is the point. The mm. point is to get over yourself and to kind of, you know, like go to that pure place of yourself, of the perfection of yourself and love yourself and to learn to let go of all of your obstacles and, and to kind of get, get who they, what they are. Right. And we've both had very, very intense experiences that we've, but I always, we always recommend being with a loved one. Number one, don't, you know, do it by yourself and, and therapy, the psychedelic science that is, is, is pairing it with therapy is finding, you know, some incredible results. Mm. So it, it is, it is. Well, that's what the maps science. guy told me. Forgive me for not remembering really? his name. He was like, MDMA is, they're trying to get it back as a therapeutic oh, thing. Oh, they're raising $75 million yeah. to make it a, a, a regular therapeutic uh, yeah. substance. And they're going to – Well, they've seen they've, a lot they've gotten, of progress. I think at least $15 million I, that I know of. It may be right. more that they've raised. But they are, they're, they're headed towards uh, their second and th- now their third trials. Wow. So they've got to have manufacture – of a large quantity so that they can really because in one dose in one treatment the PTSD is is, is just what, yeah. you know then they then they had 15% of people who didn't get cured from PTSD some some of them for 10 15 years they've been suffering and on drugs for PTSD some of them institutionalized mm. and after one dose mm. 85% of them are okay right and their lives are better and their lives are improved and they don't need anything yeah. one d- it's not That's good for crazy. the pharmaceutical companies, right? So yeah. MAPS is, is, is creating their own company that's going to do it for free. Wow. They're going to give it away. It's not even patentable. Wow. So they're just so generous and they really want to see this. You see the Jordanians, the Israelis, and the Pakistanis in a room together learning how to use this modality on their soldiers. This is going to be revolutionary when people are willing to accept mm. this. It's funny you say do psychedelics with somebody that you love. We, I, I've said on this show many times – it's like you should do it with somebody you're comfortable throwing up in front of. Oh, I Not see. that you will, right. but if it's somebody that you would be like, that's a good, that's a good I don't test. mind that you see me throw up. That's a good, that's a good thing. Mm. I also remember, did you read The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment? No. It's this tiny little book from the 60s. Oh. I, I love it. And he says, if you're having a bad trip, 
he said one of the things that would turn it around is he'd see something frightening and he'd think, well, what was it, what was it that you thought needed to be loved? So it's this idea of trying to Go love these love. unlovable things and say yes to really difficult things. Right. Well, Leary always looked at the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which was, of course, our gift of Padmasambhava here, the, uh, the uh, great Tibetan uh, or teacher of Tibetan Buddhism, mm. you know, before their, uh, he brought Buddhism to Tibet, basically. Mm. But uh, his um, lesson in the Tibetan Book of the Dead was that we, these are our teachers that are approaching us. And so learn the lesson, you, mm. know, you know. Take the class. Yeah. The other thing yeah. that I always Each. recommend for for the negative experience that you're going deep into the hole when you're having a deep heavy-duty psychedelic experience. First of all, go to a safe setting. setting. Go lie down somewhere where it's quiet, not intense. Mm. And then listen and look. But close your eyes. But look at what you're looking at. And listen to all the sounds. Like, like allow everything to be okay with all the sounds. Like, let it be like a, like a John Cage symphony, mm. you know, where everything is just, like, like, blended in this perfectly symphonic way. You hear horns, you hear people talking, you hear dogs barking, and you just make it like it's music and just let everything in. Mm. Because it's only when you block things that, you know... Or resist. So don't, yeah, don't resist. Just listen... And look. It's so funny. I, I thought about the – I've only had one really kind of not that bad but fairly bad trip. And I was like, why couldn't I just say yes to it? Because I feel like that would have made it go away. Yeah. Like it was my like, no, don't be like this. Be glorious and be beautiful. Right. And it was instead it was frightening me right. for some reason. Well, maybe it was say yes to death. And you don't want to say That's yes exactly to death. That's exactly it. Well, well it's well, always say at, yes to death. If you look at your hand and it looks like a zombie's hand. <sighs> You decaying. have to go like, yes, mm. I am dying, and I and it's hard. That's it's hard. the heavy That's work. Hard. It's heavy yeah. work to go like, it yep, is. I'm a cadaver. Yeah, not a lot of people want to do that on right. a Saturday. No, well, that's <laughs> why it's not really recreational when you do it in a, a psychedelic uh, way, where you're you're lying down, your eyes are closed, you're going deep inside. My first ayahuasca journey ecstatic unbelievable mm. it was like god was you know like setting his ass cheeks right on your eyeballs and going <laughs> going how do you like that you know like whoa oh unbelievable so it was so good you know i was really raring to go on the next journey you know and so as soon as i got there it was like uh-oh you know and that was know, when that was when it was like the Okay, you're in the pits of Auschwitz, yeah. and God is asking, can you see me now? Wow. Yeah. You know, and okay, let me take you to another circumstance. Right. You know, and like uh, always, you know, like, wow, this is, it's, it's intense work that, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing a self-dissection. That was one of the, the nightmarish visions I had of dissecting myself. Mm. And... Uh, on ayahuasca or this on is ayahuasca. Yeah. yeah. I was on there at the dissecting table. Oh look, it's me. Okay, you know, crack open the rib Whoa. cage, you know, but what's inside is a cathedral. Oh wow. Yeah. So just of light. <laughs> so the altar is there glowing, you know. And uh 
so you discover things. You know, they're fearful, but you're go for it. You know, you you, you continue to open. And for me, look, I got you know kind of a dose of the Tibetan Buddhist uh, thing. So I, you know. For me, I always remember the words of our guru, Nam Kai Norbu, who taught us about uh, your own primordial perfection that is your already enlightened state. That is who you really are. You are always awake. That is the real you. Now, how do you remember that? He uses the mantra, ah. So, uh. ah. You know, it's like part of God. It's part of Allah. Oh, it's the man. Ah. It's the Wizard of Oz. You know, so it's like Ah. Oh, ah. You know, it's like Aha. You know, it's, also, it's like Ah. Yes. It's the relief. Ah. So that Ah, you know, takes me there to that primordial perfection, reminding me of who I really am. Getting you outside of your head. Yeah. Not thinking about who you are, but trying to just be who you are. Yeah. That natural knowing. That's yes. right. And that's the sound, right. that's one of your practices, is a very simple mantra. Very it's funny, simple. in the West, we want something thick. We want a book and something complicated. You got no excuse now. Use the ah. <laughs> I know. Wait, it's an ah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. Aha. <laughs> That's really wild. Yeah. And do you have anything like that, Allison? Did well, something I, that takes I, you there? That takes me to the good. I, I, I think that the uh, looking and listening is, is it for me. When you're in trouble. Mm. Just get yourself in a safe space and open your tubes. You know, it's like mm. it, it, you have any blockages in your tubes, mm. open them right up. Just breathe right into them and like let everything. And I and I think in some ways you could say, well, that's a little bit of a distraction away from your, you know, like your your your, your melting skeletons. You know, <laughs> you don't want to go there. But you see, when I w- w- the thing that happened to me in ayahuasca uh, was when I was having my worst time was I saw that I was looking through this portal. It was a round window with all the people around it that were also having a terrible time. They were all the people in the world that were angry and tormented and in pain and suffering and upset about everything. And they were looking through the window and we were all looking through it together. And through the window, of course, there was everything ugly, everything horrible, everything exploding, everything grotesque. And everyone around the circle was in agreement with each other. Oh, how horrible. Oh, how terrible. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Everything is awful. Everything, I'm such in pain. Over there, though, was this other window where everyone who was feeling praising and feeling love and feeling happiness and feeling appreciation was looking through. And they were, and, and we were there sometimes too, but we weren't there and they were there and they were all looking through the window and through the window they could see the beatific angels and the iridescent, you know, colors and the, and the ambrosia and the smells were delicious scents. Mm. And they were all agreeing with each other. They were all going, yes, it's so beautiful. I mean, the rain, don't you just love it, you know? And so everything that was beautiful was through that window. Mm. So Alex says, navigate the turn. It's all about navigating the turn. You know, when you're over there at that window of where the pits of hell exist, you have to be able to get over to the window where, where the loving iridescent angels are. And how do you do that? And there's a technology for that, and we all know what it is, and it's appreciating. 
It's like finding three things to appreciate. Like if you're really like wake、mm. up with a funk in the morning, you know, before you say anything to anybody, find three new things to appreciate right this minute.、Mm. And any time you do that, it kind of loosens you. And then keep thinking of things to appreciate.、Mm. You know, it just loosens you from that window.、Mm. It just kind of loosens you to kind of like come on, you know, there is a. You know, you have shelter, and there's some good food in the refrigerator, and、uh, you know, whatever it is.、Right. So you can. There's something to appreciate to get you away from you know the hell in a handbasket、uh, window. It is trippy that that what is in your head really does make your world very very different. Makes your world not only that, but it makes you either an attractor or. A repulsive,、mm. you know, kind of repellent. Because you can get stuck at that. When you are、place. feeling praise and joy and love and all that stuff, it it it, it brings so much to you.、Mm-hmm. It brings, you know, it brings everything to you. People、mm. want to be a part of what you are.、Mm-hmm. And when you're complaining and you're sad and you're unhappy, people want to keep their distance.、Mm. So you can you can experience that very vividly when you're.、Uh, You know, it, it was. I think it was made vivid for us when we were,、um, you know, tripping out in the world. Because if we were excited in our trip, we would start writing in our book and start making pictures and looking over there. Everybody wanted to see what we were seeing.、Mm. Everybody wanted to come over to us. But then we were like, get a little bit. Everybody's getting a little too close. Then you kind of like go into your book and you know, kind of go into yourself and. You can really repel people、mm. then away from、mm. yourself. So these are very sort of physical takeaways that we've learned, you know, in these experiences. That you know, you have these experiences and they become like like like、um, parables、mm. in your life that you that you, that guide you, you know, at these times when you're, you know, uneven and and out of balance、mm. and things like that. I, other than psychedelics, are there things that get you into that place? I was telling you the story of taking the microdose of LSD. Oh, that's very like, helpful, don't、why? you think? Oh, it really was. Very oh,、helpful. I think that it is a very helpful therapy for <laughs> for many of us. And、uh, but if you, you know, don't have it, <laughs> we would just get it. It will happen. People will ha- will demand it. I'm just telling you. We were just with、uh, James Fadiman, who's really given a lot of credit for、um, you know for、uh, developing. The、uh, research on microdosing, and and it was really Dr. Albert Hoffman, the inventor、mm-hmm. of LSD, that、uh, secretly, but it ca- got out, and everybody knew that he、uh, was studying. Not only was he this wasn't secret that he was studying life extension, but that he was microdosing all his life, and he lived till he was 102 and walked straight upright, you know,、mm-hmm. uh, at 102 and with his coat on and you know dressed、mm-hmm. an audience. So he's an amazing. He was an amazing example of a person who、uh, was a you know like a, a discerning chemist. A kind of user of this substance throughout his life,、hmm. but、um, yeah, but、Don't、but James Fadiman says we do. We have his, we have Dr. Hoffman's glasses. Yeah, Duncan told me you guys、mm-hmm. have his glasses. That's right. That's very cool. The glasses, the very glasses that he wore when he mixed up the medicine Again, in 1943. What was he trying to make when that? It's such a crazy, silly putty sort of story. Would you like to say that he was trying to make something? Because Ramdas says, "How far out is it that the mind made something that takes you beyond the mind?"、Oh, Which、exactly. I think is so genius. And he, another LSD thing that I love. It was an Indian guru, so an Eastern guru that was like, "Well, in the West, we're materialists, so God came to you as a material." Yeah, isn't that isn't well, that beautiful? It,、oh, it's、so、kind、true. of fascinating, you know, if we look at the Western religious <laughs> tradition, because I I think we'd have to say that the you know.、Uh, Genesis story is the psychedelic smackdown. Don't you believe? <laughs> you know, the, yeah, no, there'll be no eating of that tree of knowledge. Yes, 
you know. So <laughs> because then they'll be like us. Exactly. Gods. You know, the gods. Yeah. And and that uh, so that uh, kind of strange voice that ended the Eleusinian uh, tradition that was the kind of the Greek at the foundations of Western civilization we have the Greek uh, religion the civil religion of Greece uh, which was the Eleusinian mysteries and the Eleusinian mysteries were clearly psychedelic mm. now uh, it was Hoffman's opinion that uh, and. Uh, classics professors and uh, like Carl Ruck there at uh, BU and other folks were examining what were they doing at Eleusis and uh, of course it was the uh, mythic reenactment of the story of Demeter and Persephone and the abduction uh, by Hades of uh, uh, Persephone and she had to dwell in the underworld you know and then every spring she would spring forward spring forth Mm. And so she was the personification of nature itself, the renewing life force of nature. And uh, Demeter, you know, being, you know, this this loss of her daughter, you know, you know, the mother and her daughter, you know, that's really intense. <laughs> that was the uh, the fabric of the of this mythos, and they were the goddesses that gave the Greeks agriculture. Now, they were celebrating the miracle of the life-renewing force of nature that was personified by the gods. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, what, uh, when they drank the kaikion or the kikion, this was the special brew that uh, they made up that was part of uh, their great tradition. And this was uh, the, the psychedelic brew. Now, they were wondering, what was it? And so... Now, LSD came from ergot. Ergot is a fungus that grows on grain. And uh, so this fungus is psychoactive. And it was responsible for ergotism, of course, the poisonings that would occur over in Europe and would send people in crazy, you know, and, and uh, visions and Some things like this. Some people think the Salem witch trials had to do with that. Some perhaps, people. Perhaps, yes. And so uh, this these visionary outbreaks, um, you know, were often caused by ergotism. Now, uh, this is not the same as LSD, you know, and it is extremely dangerous ergotism, you know, but a very tiny, mild uh, um, bit of uh, ergot was probably part of this brew, they believed. And uh, because all around Eleusis were the wheat fields. And uh, so, and this, and they were always carrying wheat stalks and things like this. So this was part of uh, the religious ceremony. Now, um, because it was a fungus, you know, a, uh, like the mushroom, you know, it carried some of these psychoactive qualities. And uh, Hoffman, uh, let's see, his uh, his mentor had just isolated uh, ergot into a stable form because it was notoriously unstable. And so Albert was able to, you know, come up with a variety of different kind of formula to see if it would affect the uh, blood flow, blood circulation, or it could <coughs> stimulate the uh, the womb. You know, because these were the things, the uterine contractions and things like this that they were seeing uh, ergot being used for. It had nothing to do with psychoactive, actually, mm-hmm. when he was developing it. 
<coughs> for Sandoz Pharmaceutical mm-hmm. in uh, Switzerland. Exactly. And Sandoz, in ni- who gave it to Harvard. Mm. Right. In 1938, uh, he came up with uh, LSD-25, and they um, gave it to animals, and they didn't really discover anything about it. Hmm. Right, because okay. and it was shelved. And it was shelved. You know, the rats were tripping. If you could see, like, what was going on in their minds. <laughs> oh, doctor, something. Hello. Did they check their bing, pupils bing, for bing. dilation? Look at my uh, uh, glowing tail. Now, but nothing. You know. So, okay, 1938. Now, I think this is really interesting. Now it gets interesting because five years later. On April 16th, 1943, in the midst of the war, um, he hears the voice of LSD calling him. How does he tell that story? He said, a peculiar presentiment. That's how he always uh, (laughs) described it. But at the uh, 2006, when he was 100 years old, he, he explained the last day that he was there, he said... I heard the voice of LSD calling me, and never before and never since had I heard such a voice. And so I mixed it up again. Hmm. And on April 16th, exactly. (laughs) That's right. A voice. He, he wrote, I love it. He wrote it in the book, uh, Feeble, if you're interested. This is all recounted. In LSD, my problem child, yeah. and uh, this is so, his book. That's his book. Uh-huh. LSD, uh, my problem Ho- child. Al- Albert Hoffman's book. He talks. But about I mean, this. doesn't it and sound like uh, Abraham? Yes. Abraham, come yes. over here. Well, he and he never. I I never heard him wrote down the voice of LSD. Mm. He's he It'd told us there, mm. you know, and because it did sound very religious to me when sounds- I heard that, because that that's what. That's what Mary heard. Mary heard the voice of an angel telling her, you know, the story. And so these are how religions start. And I believe that this was the beginning of the LSD or the sacramental revival. The uh, LSD was what brought it back. And uh, his discovery there was April 16th. So that was a Friday. So he mixed it up and he had a mildly uplifting, uh, uh, you know, stimulation of his imagination. And so he went back Monday, uh, April 19th and decided at 4.20 in the afternoon that he would begin an experiment and take a tiny, tiny, tiny dose of this stuff that he had to – that he heard that he was supposed to, you know, like maybe there's something special about it. But it was so small, this dose. It was millionths of a gram, and nothing's active at that small a dose except for LSD. And it was a hefty 250 micrograms, uh, millionths of a gram, that allowed him to, you know, have the first LSD experience. Was that the bike ride? Yes. I, I've heard the story told that he spilled it on him, but the, the, no. the true story is he took it. He took it deliberately and kept notes. <laughs> That's why I know it was at 4.20 in the afternoon. So what on, happened? On, on 4.19. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, well, he decided that within an hour, uh, he was dying. Mm. He, had, he had poisoned himself, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to die in the lab. And so he decided that he wanted to go home. And, but it's wartime. Nobody has cars. So he has his bicycle, which he rode Mm. to work. And so he drives his bicycle home through Basel, you know, and tripping. 
and uh, followed by his uh, assistant. And uh, so who saw that he, he made it home fine <laughs> and got him to the couch and, uh, and she went to get uh, his uh, uh, neighbor who was a doctor. And the doctor looked at him and uh, he believed he was dying. And he was outside of his body, like we were talking about. And uh, so she came over, and and uh, he thought she was a witch and everything, you know. But oh, uh, no, but she's <laughs> looking at him, and she says, uh, "Albert, you're not dying. Uh, your pupils are a little dilated, uh, but uh, why don't you have some milk? And I think you'll be okay, you know." And yes. and so he started to calm down and started to experience, you know, this. Amazing rush. He was probably, you know, it had peaked and was starting to come ground himself a little bit more. And he yeah. recovered like these memories of being a child and seeing the meadows and flowers and everything. And, and that he saw how beautiful it all was. And he said, it's all made of chemicals. Hmm. I want to understand that. Hmm. And it was like a, a connection to this mystical um, gave world. his life direction. Yeah, I it, think it does that for a lot of people. Mm. You yeah. recount and you recover that creative impetus at, at the, the soul level that some, you are. There's and, something you're attracted to that it that it, it hooks into, and you, yeah. you you know you 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 realize it, and you want to realize it further in your regular everyday life. It isn't something that you know. I mean, I I know when you're, people are young, they they do it maybe a lot more, but it isn't like that. I mean, it's not addictive. And it's not toxic. Mm. You can't take a, a killing dose. Mm. And it's not addictive. People do it and then they never do it again. I mean, often. <clears throat> or they do it occasionally or rarely. Right. You know, so it's, it's the, so it, the they same. can't really find harm. There's a, there, there is some harm for some people. It's true. Uh, some people, we, we always recommend, you know, not doing it if you think you're bipolar or have you know, other chemical disorders that you already know about or are very depressed right now or whatever. I don't know, though Alex was very depressed and it, it helped him. It, it, it cured his <laughs> suicidal uh, ideations. So I think that uh, they're going to find it as a medicine that cures things that now they say are prohibitive mm-hmm. around LSD, like, like schizophrenia and things like that. I'd love to see it, do, you know, it done as a Psychedel- you know, like a uh, psychedelic science, mm-hmm. go into some of those. Uh, because those people that are having psychotic episodes and stuff are in other realms. They're hearing voices. They're p- other, other entities that are not in the realm of the material world are, 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 are speaking with them. And we know that we can experience other realms. You know, when we're in this experience, you can go and, and hear like the, 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 the elves like Terrence always talked about, you know, the DMTLs. And they'll say things to you or they'll laugh at you, you know, in ways that you, wouldn't, you don't imagine it yourself. It's, it's, it's a very external thing. Or you get a message, like a very clear message. So anyway, that seems to come from outside of you. So anyway, I think that, you know, there, there will be more research mm. into how people who are you know, having, you know, realm issues – could I don't know? Maybe maybe there's a way for uh, science to uh, discover help for them. That LSD story reminds me of the ayahuasca story that Duncan told me, where they said, "How did you know to mix this root with this bark?" Right. And they said, "The jungle the told, us to. Yeah. told us." The plants told us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, one of, one of the things It's like that, the plan Bodhisattva. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, we'll yeah. leave these here for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we need to help the monkeys. You know, how are we going to do it? You know, so they have to uh, yeah, well, they like rally eating. the forces. <laughs> they like Two eating. very diverse substances, a vine, a thick, you know, hard vine, and a leaf, a mm. green leaf. Mm. Very different mm. to find each other like that. Yeah. It's just very fascinating. That's too much trial and error, too many species. Well, look at, look at Dr. Hoffman. It yeah. guide, something guided him there, but it that, wasn't, so crazy. It wasn't the idea of wild. higher consciousness, but it led to that. And he became a very, very moral and high, highly, you know, like deep person, hmm. you know, and really influential. He was we, always a uh, very uh, person of tremendous integrity and a real sage. Hmm. And uh, it was like he was chosen in a way, mm-hmm. you know, to open up this, there was no one else who was doing this kind of research. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is that uh, 500 years before him in the town of Basel, uh, the alchemist Paracelsus had decided that in order to find the philosopher's stone, that something else was necessary besides alchemy. And so he founded chemistry. Hmm. And uh, so you could argue that what the difference between alchemy and chemistry is that the psyche of the alchemist basically comes out of uh, the process. Of, yeah, it started of, there. Of, yeah, and you say, okay, well, let's just observe the processes and then categorize these so we understand better what these material forces mm-hmm. are. And so uh, you could say that LSD brought the psyche back mm. you know uh, to the whole equation mm. of chemistry mm. you know so this is a fascinating and alchemical process that's <laughs> that been started. going on and I was thinking that what if the philosopher's stone was the certainty that you stand on in the psychedelic state mm. that's the rock <laughs> the foundation of wisdom mm. and right. that's what will birth the new Eleusis. I just did a painting called Hoffman and the New Eleusis, which was what he spoke of that we need now to uh, flower forth the psychedelic sacramental revival, mm. you know, that's at the foundation of civilization. Eleusis is like a utopian... Yes. It, well, like the new mythos, I would say perhaps even like Burning Man or the festival culture that's planetary. This is a planetary civilization in formation. Every civilization has to have a religious center. But what could be the religious center of a planetary civilization? None that exist, I'll argue. Because, you know, it's just, you couldn't do it. Hmm. But what could unite the world? is our creativity, the creativity and love that's at the source of, of the human adventure. Mm. That, we get back to the universals. You get back to the core of love. You get back to the core of creativity. And you see religion as a manifestation of that. Mm. That's what you get back in touch with. And that is the foundation of a planetary civilization. Mm. What, what is love... What is love? <laughs> what is love? It is our unity. It is the force, the mysterious force that brought us here. Mm. It is, you know... Because Hoffman sees it all as chemical, but really isn't that... 
He doesn't see it of, all as chemical. Oh, I, I know that. Not but at all. He saw, look, everything's chemicals. I want to understand that. Yes. But the chemicals aren't those manifestations of a love, which is like Absolutely. a yes, yes, like a yes behind everything. There you go. <laughs> love is it. like the love is the glue. <laughs> love is the glue that is life. Yeah. You know, I mean, in my psychedelic experience of the vista with the light. You know, fountains and drains that are all suck holes and blow holes that are, we all are in our essence, you know, that are interconnected. Mm. I feel that the light is love. Suck holes and blow holes. That, that, the last time I took mushrooms, I, we really, Val and I really got that nature hates a void. Because we were watching clouds fill in where there were no clouds, and we're like, that's what it is, man. So the, just what you just said made Suck me think of that. Suck holes and blood holes. We're just like a bunch of tubes, <laughs> aren't we? Around. You know, it's like breathing and eating and yeah. juicing and letting go of. And <laughs> whoo, in and out it goes. You know, yeah. And we're all touching each other in a very subtle way. We know that you know there are... Uh, invisible fields around bodies. There's, you know, and there's a lot of invisible energy. We know that mm. there's X-ray and radio waves and all kinds of waves that are invisible. There are, there are, you know, there's radiance of our of our heat just coming off of our body, and then then we're sucking in the air, and it's like that's all we really are is is just a bunch of tubes. So mm. it's like the it's <laughs> like you know when you're in there and you 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 see the blockages of the tubes, you just you know kind of breathe through it or mm. drink. through through it or something, you know. <laughs> Do you guys yeah. still take psychedelics yes. now? <laughs> That's an easy one. People always ask that. It's Do they easy. really? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, just, we, I don't just know. Did well, you know the Alan talks. Watts quote where he says, once you've gotten the message, hang up the phone. Well, that's good for some people. And I think certainly... <laughs> My phone keeps ringing. <laughs> and I keep answering. I mean, I don't know if Alan stopped answering. It's just something, it's something to say. Well, you do feel in some ways when you, when you, re, when you revisit these things on occasion, and Alex My and I are, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> you, do, you do feel like you're going to the same, you know, that, you, that you're learning a lot of the same things. Right. But every time we do, every time we have a, a major journey, we do microdose, but every time we have a major journey. Microdose every day? Oh no! It's it, James Fadiman recommends two days off and one day on. So oh, yeah, you know it's it's good that. to 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 space it out. Less is more, right? Mm-hmm. But in any case, is this uh, psilocybin or LSD? I'm just curious. Uh, I don't mean to audit your. I know it's like, it and you don't dangerous. have to answer if you don't want to. It's, well, well, it's LSD that people are talking about microdosing, not psilocybin, as far as I know. Psilocybin oh, I has you a can completely do both. different. You can do both. Do both. That, either psilocybin yeah. has a different effect for me, but but in any case. Um, is that are you once is that, Duncan calls LSD the king of the drugs? Yeah, I think so too. And is it, is it less well, I don't interesting? Any, I don't get any kind of like 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 nausea or anything. You know, like like, that you like, get with like in the beginning, just in the beginning, you do sometimes. Yeah. It's because the organic compound just sort of you know does that. But it, you know, not everybody. But but no, I mean, it's just going to be, and then it, then you, then it goes away. It's all gone. Mm. But in any case, yes, it's been very useful to us. We are not uh, you know frequent. Mm-hmm. Users at all, but uh, we find it to be very. It useful. remains interesting. <gasps> well, I, always, I was going to say I always have a takeaway. I have to go in there with an intention. I really like to go in there with an intention, and I really like to come out with something that I'm that I'm going to learn something something practical that mm. I can add into my life. In fact, when we were doing it when we were younger and doing it a lot more, we would say that we wouldn't do it again until some artifact or some physical manifestation positive creation came out of it that we created something from the experience either we did a drawing mm. or we did, a, did wrote something about it right mm. 
There'd have to be an integration, absolutely. Integration. And that's the uh, whole point. It's not just a trip and lose your mind, but to, like we said with the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the visions are your, your teachers. Mm-hmm. So what, let them teach what are you learning? Yeah. Do you see the trip of this? And by the way, we've, if you guys have to go, it's been two hours. Oh, I want to be respectful so of your lovely. time. But Thank I will you. keep asking you questions. Oh, good. No, no, <laughs> no, this, we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but... No. Shane, do you know who Shane Moss is? No. You're going to. He's amazing. He does a lot of psychedelics. If you ever want to listen to a podcast, listen to him on Shane this Moss, podcast. Okay. He's amazing. Cool. Fantastic. Unbelievable guy. And he talks about how DMT shows him how this life is a trip. He's like, he, he feels like we're all tripping all the time. Yes. And the agreed, uh, agreed upon delusion is what we call reality. Mm. But he sees the lessons in this where yes. he didn't really fully explain it, but he was like, oh, you know, we're all chasing money and power and success. And he kind of gets it. Like those, those really far out experiences helped him understand how this is also teaching you. Yeah. Do you feel like this plane is teaching you as well? Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> how sad would it be if you're like, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it about this realm, but the other realms are really cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're both cool. Yeah, right? no, I'm so exactly. happy to hear you say that. No. I mean, when you can, when I look at your paintings, I'm like, this is so much more interesting than this. But I'm glad you can see the beauty here as well. Obviously, absolutely. that's in your work as well. But well, it's a two-dimensional surface with paint on it. You know, and it's absolutely exquisite. It's absolutely like every every square inch is activated. Mm. But in the world, you have a three-dimensional that's true. universe of appreciation. This is why we got to get in that VR. Can you imagine an Alex and Allison Gray Google Paint experience <laughs> where I can walk oh, around? We're imagining with that? it quite a bit, actually. Are you working <laughs> on something like that? Yes. That would be great. <laughs> I got to do one of those VR paint things and I was oh, like, this yeah. Isn't is the most fun? something else. That's the most fun. <laughs> I can't Doing imagine it what it would be like in your hands. Though. Making art, though, is the most fun. I agree. Which brings us to the final question, which is, we've been talking about it the whole time, which is all I ever really want to talk about, but the meaning of life, the purpose of life. We started by saying creating feels better to me than traveling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that sort of stuff being the way that we can communicate with the divine, with nature, with the reality of things. This thing that we're all a part of likes to create. So yes. when I create, I feel in tune with that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's more potential for your tapping into your ecstatic flow and your sense of soul. Yes. Uh, and, and of well-being. Yes. You know, and uh, the more that you're tapped into your sense of well-being and flow and and that you're put putting forth what you know your unconscious and deep uh, sense of of self wants you to bring forth that is the supreme satisfaction of the yeah. creative path you know yeah. for all of its struggles and all of its trials and worries and things like that and mm. most of it's the people have to just uh Understand, they may have to face their fears around uh, their own creative nature and things like that, and mm. just just to em- embrace it and uh, to uh, open up to the most positive uh, source that it can be mm. for you. Because I think it's absolutely soul renewing. Mm. You Creativity. know, and we each need uh, that. You know, the contact with something that is our uh, at, at our core, positive and loving. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Fucking A. 
Creativity, creativity is a health factor. So you must, even if you're traveling, I, I recommend <laughs> you being travel. creative. I don't mean to poo poo travel. To poo-poo travel. <laughs> we always be. Look at Alex's drawings. He, he's, uh, he's creating and traveling. We both are doing oh that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. These drawings. are burning anyway, and drawing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. People would sit uh, in our in our trailer and Alex would draw. Is that me? That's you. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. And I just had a picture of Allison here. I'm honored. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. We've covered everything. Come and visit us I again at Casa. I love you guys. Thank you. Are these for me? Yes. yes. I may have these. Thank yes. you so much. These are going you. on the on the fridge. Thank you guys. We have the guests say keep it crispy at the end. And I can Did tell you want you, to find out what we think about dying? Oh yeah, I do, but I mean Is that okay? Maybe I, mine's a quickie. Please. Do tell me one? what you think. You want you be last. You want to be last? I wanted to know, but I also... What happens after you die? What happens after you die? I just wanted to say this because I did uh, sit with my father while he was dying and uh, at, at the point where I felt he could hear me, but he, couldn't, he wasn't speaking. Hmm. His eyes were closed. He wasn't speaking, but I, I didn't think he was sleeping. I didn't know. But I said to him, you know what I think happens when you die? He would never talk about dying. We never knew anything that he wanted. There was no wishes. He never spoke of it. He wouldn't have it in the house. He wouldn't have any discussion of it. Hmm. So I got a chance to actually say... Because you had a captive audience. I had a captive audience. And I said, <clears throat> you know what I think happens when you die? I think what happens is whatever you think happens. I think that if you think you're going to see seven thousand virgins, you hmm. might. Hmm. And if you think you're going to see your mother, you might. Hmm. And if you think you're going to see nothing, you might. Hmm. So it's like the intention when you want to see the, the white light. You don't want to see anything. You want to think that nothing happens. Yeah. You won't. Yeah. You won't. You'll prove it. You'll prove yourself. You right. find what you're looking for. Yeah. That's very very interesting. Yeah. I um I went into Ama the the hugging <gasps> saint. She's in our. She's she is our star feature in the Cosm Journal. She wrote something for Cosm Journal. Is that right? About love. Bathrooms are on the. Oh, yeah. Alex we great. lost Alex to the bathroom, but I'm oh, going to tell you this brief tell anecdote me. that she's. Well, tell me what what you just said about Ama. I got distracted. Ama is one of our feature writers in the upcoming Cosm Journal of Visionary Culture. It's an annual thematic mm. uh, uh, content with beautiful art that we put out every year, mm. pretty much. And this, uh, the last volume, by the way, was Divinity where we had many great and luminous people and beautiful, beautiful art. And then this one's called Love. It's, it's the theme mm. of love. It's the big number 10 mm. volume that we've come up with of right. the Cosmic Journal of Visionary Culture. Good for you. And she's writing something. She it. did. She wrote it. Everything's done. It's all, it's all to bed now. But we have some fantastic writers, and she is That's our great. star in our, in our heaven. Well, she told this story about death that I thought was very interesting. It, was, it almost sounded like a street joke, so I don't even know if she made it up. She's brilliant. <laughs> but it was like... It was a doctor. The joke almost doesn't even make sense. It was translated from Hindi. I'm assuming it was Hindi or Urdu. So she was telling the story, and she goes, there's a doctor, and there's a patient, and the patient's dying. And the patient says to the doctor, what do you think happens when I, when I die? And as the doctor's talking, they can hear his dog is on the other side of the door. And he says, excuse me, I, for the first time, I brought my dog to work with me. I'm sorry. And he hears my voice. I'm going to let him in. And he opens the door. And the dog came running in and started jumping up and down on the doctor. And the doctor said, I think it's like that. Meaning, my dog has never been to work with me before. My dog has never been in this room with me before. Oh. But it could hear 
my voice. It could hear its master's voice. Wow. So it knew it wanted to go in there. Oh. And, that, and that's, I, I was like, I got to remember that I in case I'm ever ushering my, my parents into death. I that's what I would want to tell I think it's holographic. I think it's probably, every, all these things are true, right? Yeah, I hope so. Did you see the Alma movie by Jan There's Kunin? <gasps> the Alma movie by Jan Kunin. It's, like, it's it a called? documentary oh. of Alma. Well, I did and it's hug. really well done. He's the best psychedelic uh, filmmaker. He's so great. Young really? Kunin. Yeah. He, he made the movie Renegade. Yeah, you should see it. I'm watch it tonight. She's brilliant, but uh, she's so she is very real. So I, I can imagine that would be her story. Right? Yeah. And Alex, I just have to say, Zena asked Alex once when she was a child, "When am I going to die?" And he said, "That's God's secret." Well. <laughs> and how did she feel with that answer? I think she always remembered it. We were talking about it. A friend of mine, their kid was like, what happens when you die? And he said, a lot of people go with the heaven route. But you having experience, you know, meaning you go back into, this isn't how they would phrase it, but I'm kind of like, you go back into oneness with everyone. I think, yeah. And I was like, that's a fine way to explain it to a child or, or a grown-up. Go like, you're, a lot of people say, well, you're there and all your dead relatives are there. I'm like, really, you're there and everything is there. You just kind of, you're a wave going back into the ocean. I think there may be a phase that you go to where you, where you do meet up with your dead relatives because there's mm. so, so much reportage about, about people coming back, near-death experiences where people, visit, you know, were, mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, 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 I fully, you know, intend to believe that. Yes. Because you know? well, there are people that I want to see again. But what about know? reincarnation? Do you feel like you ever have to come back? And I think we both have experienced again? reincarnation. You mean? Alex has a very vivid, uh, we both have a vivid experience of reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mean feeling like this isn't your first well, time around? You want to say? Well. <laughs> Um, I had a really strange reaction to a painter's work uh, when I found it um, in a book. And this painter was a symbolist from Belgium uh, named Jean Delville. And uh, every time I saw his work, I had this very strange sensation like, I had made this thing. Like, that's so familiar. I I felt like... And I, I hadn't felt this way about any other artist's work, and I thought, this is really odd. And uh, so I, I started to get obsessed with this artist. Like, who was this guy? And, and like, what was this all about? And then I uh, discovered that he died like... Um, within 49 days of my conception. Hmm. <laughs> okay, That's if you know anything word. about the uh, Tibetan bardo, yes. they say that seven times seven, uh, 49 days, you have to choose a realm of incarnation. And in Delville's own writings, he said, if you don't accomplish in your lifetime what your intention is, you come back and keep going, you know, basically. And he was one of the first theosophical artists. He was one of the first uh, to, kind of in the tradition of Blake, uh, very much a uh, someone who wanted to... He was called a painter of astral light. Really? Yes. 
and and uh, and his intentions were extremely universal and and idealist. Hmm. The same basic foundation of and philosophy that that I feel. Yeah, he wrote a book called The New Mission of Art. And then it was published around 1900, like uh, right at the turn of the uh, 19th, 20th century. I wanted to republish that book, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I looked, I read it and and I felt like, well, the lessons are good, you know, but it's, you know, the artists are not relevant anymore and things. So I'm going to have to rewrite this, you know, so I wrote my own mission of art. Uh, book, but it's really dedicated to Delville, the mm. inspiration of that. It's funny because you're rewriting it, but you're rewriting it in two ways. Oh, totally, <laughs> in totally it, uniquely. Yeah. You're re rewriting it. I always <laughs> thought of it as Alex's PhD thesis. It came around that time. He had been educating himself, you know, uh, to get, we were together, and uh, he just had his own independent study for many, wow. many years, and always has. So he wrote that book somewhere. That's incredible. Yeah, along the way. Do you look like this fella? Are there are there no photos there? Are there photos? No, there's, there are photos. Um, I don't think that much, really. I mean, there might. I tried to make contact with his family. I've, I've gotten as close uh, as one of the scholars who is working on a lot of the work. So mm. there may still be some. And then uh, you, you, you had another experience of being an Egyptian sculptor. Well, that was an ancient lifetime, not the most recent, of course. Uh, yeah. But I, I did have a vivid experience of, of uh, being in Egypt, as many people mm. have, mm. you know, because there were thousands of years of a civilization there, you know. So it's not surprising that mm-hmm. many of our souls have been through the Egyptian wash, mm. you know. And, but it uh, had to do with sculpture on temples. It was. I was working on a temple, and I... I uh, the large statue, I believe, of Ramesses. And uh, the, I, a friend of mine fell off of the scaffold. It <laughs> was a tragic uh, thing. There was. How did I, you see that? Was that meditative or was that chemical? No, it was in a uh, meditation, <laughs> actually. You know, uh, we were doing a lot of. Uh, we were taking a class in rebirthing and past life experiences. <laughs> and uh, yours was particularly vivid. Breath mm-hmm. stuff or just mantra? It was breath. It was biofeedback. It was way back in the 80s with Burl Payne. We took a number of. Uh, classes with him learning how to uh, self-hypnotize, hypnotize others, and uh, read our biofeedback. And uh, then there was the regressive uh, life, you know, past life thing we Hmm. did with him. We've we've done a lot of trainings in our life, you know. We, 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 uh, you know, started early with, uh, you know, taking uh, mentors and teachers and taking trainings and... um, Hmm. Yeah, Alex did a painting of firewalking after we did firewalking in the mid-80s and just Recently, Tony Robbins bought it. No way. It's huge. Yumbo. It's about eight feet tall. So, yeah, no we're really way. glad that he has it. It was always done it with him with, in his honor. In wow. We got to meet him also, but. You know, I'd love to have him on then they had show. To, I love Alex Tony had Robbins. to get more famous, and then we would, we would hear from Tony Robbins. That's so He was cool. an amazing teacher. But what does this mean? What is it, what implication does this have if we're having past life visions and stuff? Do you feel like you're going to go around again, or next time you have seven times seven, are you going to say I'm out of here? <laughs> I I think it's up to uh, the multiple forces that influence our next lifetime, you know. And I would say that uh, 
the job certainly isn't over in this dimension, you know, mm. whether it's uh, myself in my mind stream or other folks. I think the future of visionary art is in good hands. Mm. I see the uh, generations after us, you know, that have taken up the mantle of visualizing the inner domains and bringing it forward in ever clearer ways. It's developing a taxonomy of the visionary experience that I think people who are journeying in psychedelic states then are reassured that there is there are common spaces mm. amongst us you know and uh, they can be recounted mm. and in that way as a tribe we can bond together you know and share a sacred art and sacred knowledge that goes back to the good news yes <laughs> that's a good gospel i like yeah. that very much the gospel of creativity yeah so we don't have to it sounds like these ideas make it less frightening i suppose this idea of going around we've been here before we're part of something right universal it's, yes and it's also um you're the author of your life story hmm. you know you're the one that determines whether you believe that to be so or not, you know? And that funny. That's been like the theme of this is like what you're setting your point of focus towards ends yeah. up being what you hit. Totally. Right. I well, didn't mean to interrupt you though. No, no, it's that that's totally <clears throat> it. I mean, if, if we are the authors of the story of our life, how, that is how we interpret the circumstances mm. around us. That is up to us. Mm. That determines whether smiles on Sisyphus or not. Right. Well, that reminds me of the movie Life is Beautiful. The guy, yes. remember, right. entertaining his child through the Holocaust. Oh, that movie was so deeply moving. And I think even though we're not living in a Holocaust, obviously, there is this sort of like how do you interpret what's happening? And there, there are actually other examples of that. Knight, Eli Wiesel. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Eli Weiss. Eli, Eli, Eli. Eli. Uh, yeah. These ideas of how do you interpret massive tragedy and how do you – but even even just the general malaise of modern Western living, <laughs> waking up with a weight and what you were saying, Allison, finding three things to be grateful for. Isn't it crazy that even in the greatest of comforts that all these other people couldn't even imagine, I we sometimes still have to look for techniques to write a positive story. What a wonderful – gift you've given <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to be able to continually write a positive story it's a it's a challenge yeah. that we have i mean otherwise it's, it's sad and depression we have to keep looking for the um you know looking for the light the other and, window and, and that's exactly what was it right. navigate the turn navigate the turn smile sisyphus i mean this is a free podcast. People don't pay for this podcast, <laughs> so they get all thank this, you. all this goodness for I want to be the one, to, one of the many people to thank you for <laughs> oh, that. Please. We love your Nobody, podcast. Nobody, no, no, really. Oh, free podcast! I mean, I, I just listened to one this morning. I'm always listening to free podcasts. Oh, that makes me happy. I hope that we can have one that is, you know, your, yours is so wonderful. Oh, so I'm thank you. I'm honored that you reached out to. I I told Duncan a long time ago, but for some reason or another, we didn't follow up because I thought you were in New York. We are. So we never got to do it. So I'm glad that we we did, and it obviously it didn't disappoint. What an honor! Such 
worked out so perfectly. It was meant to be, I think. <laughs> I can't believe you came here from Burning Man. I, I know. Feel like and you then guys from the be then from the total eclipse of the sun right before that, I we were know. in Oregon, like camping out in uh, wow. the sun. So it's been an intense end of summer. I'm just wonderful. Well, thank, thank you, you so for much inspiring for inviting me, us. and thank you for inspiring all these people that are listening. And is there anything they should check out? Is there any yes. plug you want to do? Yes, they should check out Cosm.org. We yeah. have a wonderful place for our community, all the people that love us in, in our community, to come to when they're in New York. We're yeah. right outside of the city. We're 65 miles in the country and like a little, like a retreat. Like you can go to the city and get on the train and get to us and walk to us. And we have a place for you to stay 365 nights a year and lots and lots of events. We have uh, full moon ceremonies and equinoxes and solstices and art church and beautiful musical and fire spinning and yes. uh, I was there for a solstice I for think. a solstice it's, it yeah the, the the autumnal equinox is coming up and I don't know why I'm compelled and, to say this and the September full moon I was completely sober and I loved it like I'm just saying in case people, people are listening do, and do they're the, like I don't do I'm not into psychedelics that's not what it's about it wasn't about that at all I was no. like this is beautiful the art is amazing celebrating creativity exactly that's what we're all about really yeah. and we're building a a new temple called Entheon, Entheon mm-hmm. Sanctuary of Visionary Art. And this is still under construction, but the very first sculpture made its appearance on the playa this year. It's the steeple head. We just mm-hmm. constructed a nine-foot steeple head uh, that was at the head of the Bronner Camp, uh, the Transformation mm-hmm. Camp at uh, Burning Man. And it w- it got properly dusted with playa dust <laughs> because our first um, incarnation of Entheon was on the playa in 2006. We teamed together with MAPS and with Matt Atwood and a visionary artist of the world and created a display of visionary art on the playa where there hadn't been. Called uh, Entheon Village, uh, mm-hmm. named and- Alex's name. And uh, so now we're uh, creating Entheon at Entheogens? Is that where it comes from? Basically, but Entheo is the god within. So the Pantheon was all the gods. Uh Uh, The Entheon would be the place to discover the god within. Hmm. And uh, so it will be a place to house the mystical paintings that are recounting the mystical experiences of Hmm. the visionary artists. It's like Peter on the mountain of transformation, transfiguration. Do you, I don't yes. know if you know that Bible story, but yes. Jesus appears and his face becomes Elijah and then it becomes Moses. And Peter, my namesake, goes, we should build a temple here, <laughs> which I, right. that was always what Peter was up to. He's always walking on water and falling in. And he's kind of like beautiful, but also very human, if that makes sense. Yes. He's like, we need to hold on to this. So yes. I love this idea. Well, the temple, <laughs> the temple is yeah. a work of a community. It's a creative work of the community. Oh, good. It doesn't, you know, people can make altars and little temples in their garage and stuff, but a real temple is something that people get together and they create together because I just of love. I drove past the Mormon temple and I was like, good Lord, it's amazing? beautiful. <laughs> I, was it like, I was I was on second traffic and I was looking at it and I was like, I don't know that much. I know more than most people about <laughs> Latter-day Saints. But I was like, I don't know much. I don't necessarily want to join, but that's a Every beautiful temple. temple. Is, is, it's, is, yes, it's it looks like it's made out faith. of one piece of stone. It's like just like a marvel. Wow. It looks ancient in that way. Then they got the golden angel up there, I wow. believe is Moroni. Very, very beautiful. Uh, and so is, is this. So Thank people you. check it out. 
please. And I'm coming back because I, the, like I said, Cosm was closed when I went. And I want to go and I want to oh, stand in front ahead. of the things. But there's a wonderful you. movie, which is which is called Cosm, which is how oh. I first and then I bought this book, which is called Transfigurations, which is yes. on Amazon, which is amazing. Tells yes. a well, lot the of new your book story. is called Net of Being. And the first book is called Sacred Mirrors, and it's really a trilogy. There's Sacred Mirrors, Transfigurations, and Net of Being uh, are Alex's three monographs. So if you want a, a full spectrum of Alex Gray art, we'll that's see, where to go. Valerie got me that for Christmas. Isn't that so beautiful? now she has other ones. Yes. I, got, I got obsessed. I got straight obsessed. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the Guggenheim, and I saw you there, which I thought was very trippy. I didn't bother you. But I was like, this is weird. Oh, it was like while I was like super obsessed. Really? I'm still obsessed, but like oh. I had just discovered you. Then we went to the Guggenheim and you were there, if you don't mind me saying, you were sketching and oh, hanging yeah. out. And I was like, what are we're the We're about chances? to go back to the Guggenheim. We're going there <laughs> like Friday. We're going to go to the Guggenheim and see the Symbolist exhibit. And I'll Jan see some Delville. Delville will oh, be there. Yeah. 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 We have that. All. You it's guys know what you're circle. doing. Good for you. Amazing, Guggenheim. Well, thank you so much, thank guys. You. Honestly, yeah. this is a gift you've given. We love you, Pete. We love thank you. you. I, I, we, I love you guys very much. Thank you for being thank here. Would you, you say keep it crispy? Keep, keep it crispy. Thank you, guys. Uh, now leaving Nerdist.com.